0: Welcome back to the Science Fiction Film Podcast by LSG Media. I'm your host, Dean. I'm Matthew. And on this week's episode, we bring you Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? from the year 2000, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. All right, Matt. I had this remarkable vision. I think I know. How to Eliminate Racism. This oh, is a, Okay. Yeah. So you. it's pretty so, bold. Yeah. I was, you know, this movie has a pretty remarkable scene with the Ku Klux Klan. The, uh, <laughs> Indeed. the singing and the choreography and the dancing and the fire and the outfits. You know, like a nice parade you just wouldn't want to be at, basically.
1: <laughs> I'll watch from afar.
0: You, wouldn't, you don't want to be there. You want to be in the bushes like these guys. Um, And you certainly would want to be armed if you were anywhere near it, just in case they turn their ire on you. But I was thinking, great singing, great, great, like, um, parade, great marching. You know, white people are so good at marching. I mean, the fucking Germans rocked at marching, right? Asians are pretty hip, too. They got that high step fucking thing. You know, that high step kind of wacky goose step. The kicks, yeah, the kicks. But white people are really, really good at marching. I don't know how good— We just
1: love lining up, just getting into rectangle shapes, all different shapes. Yeah, dude,
0: like, I don't know how good black people are marching. I've never watched a—like, I know marching band and stuff. But I was thinking, black people are fucking great dancers, much better than what I saw from the KKK. So I was thinking, if they would just (laughs) sort of, like, combine forces with the marching and the outfits and the coordination, right? It's kind of like you're taking the unpredictable— soul-like nature the fucking like improvisational blues aspect of black americans from back in this time period and you're adding it with that like kind of old school regimented organization and combining them i think you could make a really kind of like beautiful thing that i think they would just pull off their hoods and go my damn you boys are all right (laughs) and i think that would fucking solve it man what do you think uh, of that premise? Do you think that's uh, I mean, do you think that's do you think we can test it? Is, is it falsifiable? Is it so? I mean,
1: what you're saying essentially is that we need to get Chris Brown and David Duke on stage together uh, as e- <laughs> deplorable people, but with just incredible organizational
0: and dancing skills. Just really show them the light. Yeah, of, of each know, their powers. What you do is you take two pretty despicable representations of those. <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. you, you take two despicable representations of each. And because if things go badly, I don't want to say South because I don't want to dis- 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 besmirch the South. I think that's not right. Right. <laughs> I think that's, um, you know, Northern propaganda. It's easy. it's easy. It's easy Yankee bullshit. It's, yeah, it's Yankee propaganda. And I don't want to do that. Uh, so I think, yeah, you just pick, pick two bad people, <laughs> one black, one white, and test it. You, need, you actually need a handful of each. To see how it's going yeah, to work Spritz. out. Yeah. Spritz, yeah. But they also have to be good dancers, and then also a good organizational sort of thing. And you got that that Southern religious kind of singing, that dirge. The KKK Grand uh, Master Dragon. What are they called? What are the leaders called for that goofy fucking uh, team?
1: There's Grand Wizard, I think mm-hmm. is one. The old Pooh <laughs> fucking Grand I don't even Wizard. Goofy ass words they got. You got so many titles.
0: Yeah, I know that. I Can't keep up with them, right? That's why I quit. I was like, "Guys, love what <laughs> Do you're doing. Names. Love what you're doing. Think it's great. You're trying to preserve <laughs> my heritage and all, but I can't keep up." <laughs> I thought racism was easy. I got to fucking
1: memorize all these names. I got an organizational flow chart. <laughs> ah,
0: I have to press Fuck all this. I don't have a fucking ironing board big enough for my KKK outfit, dude. So, <laughs> And I don't remember how to address anybody, right? Brother, fucking grand wizard level one, fucking sh- I mean, dragon for, master.
1: For some ranks, you're actually you know, supposed to expose your penis, but to other ranks, if you, if you poke it out, you're in trouble. Like, yeah. How can you keep it all straight?
0: Absolutely. So, sadly, I didn't have any uh, – I also didn't have any politicians in the family, so that kind of immediately ejected me as a, as a member true. of the KKK. But the more I learned, the more I dug – the more I realized, it just wasn't for me. But um, you know, on initial call, I thought, well, maybe there's something here with the marching <laughs> I mean, look at their and the marching. organization. <laughs> it's very meticulous, very attractive, right? <laughs> I mean, you just thought it was a rowdy version of the Boy Scouts. I mean, <laughs> it just looked, you know, absolutely, yeah, had, right. Had a sheen. <laughs> but um, I'll tell you, those uh, if those are the Boy Scouts, they're definitely not letting any girls in. I can assure you, not those boys. <laughs> no, those boys, are, uh, those ones. Not a mission from their women, so they think.
1: I think we could call them stubborn as a, a massive understatement.
0: <laughs> you know, so wait, wait, wait. You're telling me the Ku Klux Klan in 1937 in Mississippi, you're telling me that those boys were not open to suggestion?
1: I don't think so. Hmm. I think they're uh, what we call set in their ways.
0: <laughs> I suppose you're right. That is a controversial stance, Matthew, but uh, one I, <laughs> I know, will uh, right. take your take your fucking... I'll take what, your with, word for what it. Well, with their fire bombings
1: and indiscriminate mob the lynches, uh, yeah, not a not a negotiable
0: people. Yeah, that's one of those. That's one of those movements that just never kind of like, just never really hit that period of enlightenment. You know, I know, I know, we're talking post enlightenment here, but they never, they never upgraded their outfits. You know, and they just oh, became some kind of a laughing stock as time went on.
1: I, I I definitely don't have all my history super correct on this, but I'm pretty sure it literally started as a joke. Like the guy who actually founded it was like only like semi serious about it and kind of made a joke about like, ah, well, we'll wear these big crazy
0: outfits. And then when it took off and became a serious thing, he was kind of like, oh, oh really? <laughs> we're down? you guys are doing that? Right? Shit. But I will say this in all seriousness: all the nonsense we were just spewing, the. That scene's pretty incredible. It's it's a that remarkably uh, a remarkable scene cinema from a cinematic perspective. And that's something I tell you I've been missing. I've been missing in our coverage lately. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like the, I mean, <clears throat> shit, how long has it been since we had a movie that was shot by Roger Deakins? Yeah. That's
1: a that's a pretty big one right there.
0: I mean, that alone, but not just Roger Deakins, but just somebody shooting a movie where I thought the shots were kind of impressive. I mean, I was totally had high expectations right, for Cronenberg, Sanders, but um, yeah, it's been a while since I've gotten. Whoa, man, this is fucking, this is wonderfully shot. I haven't seen this movie in it's a filmmaking. solid decade,
1: man. Yeah, it's been uh, maybe a little less time for me, but still years, years since I've sat down and watched it start to finish. What a movie, dude! It's uh, this movie, man. So I, I, I wanted to ask you, please, do you do you remember this movie just
0: being? Fucking huge. Because yeah. I certainly do. It was uh-huh. massive. Yeah. Massive it, when it, it came out. It resurrected bluegrass, which I think is a positive thing. Because that, oh, yeah. that fucking commercial country music shit is crap. I but like good old school rebel Southern American music, I can dig it.
1: Yeah. I can yeah, dig no, it. I definitely had a major resurgence after this. I mean, everybody I knew. And I mean, and I knew plenty of people who were, were all about bluegrass and country music well before this, but even people who didn't, everyone owned the soundtrack for this movie. It was just, I saw
0: it everywhere. Isn't that fascinating, it's, though? It, it's fantastic, I it, think. It, I'm it, like, it's, I, that's it's, it's those, fucking awesome, but it's almost yeah. unprecedented. It's almost In insane, way. to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> like, Twenty five, six, seven, thirty two, whatever year old people are fucking running around singing i on the Man of Constant Sorrow" and like digging it, and, and well, even yeah. like you know those dirges and stuff like that. But there's also the the very um, the very uh, religious music as well. Oh yeah, which is oh, yeah. obviously a big influence in in all of all of every song on the soundtrack. I mean, you know, honestly, though, it makes me think about this is going to be a big old
1: grand theory, but it's kind of the unique power of movies, I think. I mean, because there's not how often does an album or I mean, shit, nowadays, what other kind of like popular media introduces or reintroduces a thing that catches on
0: massively across all culture i have uh, one i have one other i have one other one i can think of i can tell you now or wait till you're finished oh wait but
1: hold it in your mind i will uh, but no i mean i think that's part of the power of a movie is that it attaches the rest of it you know the the soundtrack the, the score the imagery it's attached to a story mm-hmm. and for that reason alone like it, it imbues the music with the meaning of the story seeing you know characters that you've already come to care about and you're you're following the story watching their journey being highlighted by music that music becomes a little more meaningful to you attached to those scenes or it, it's kind of it makes it connected and makes you interested in that music outside of it but i think it being part of a story that you enjoy lodges it deeper in you deeper in your mind
0: yeah i like it man i was thinking <clears throat> that do you, did you ever see the movie Swingers? Yes, it's been a long time, but yeah. So, Swingers, Vince Vaughn, Favreau, right? hmm Kind of both of their breakouts, as far as I can remember. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And there was a major swing music revival. Squirrel Nut Zippers, all of that shit. That was huge for a few years in the 90s. That's so funny. Absolutely. I, I absolutely remember it. It was incredible. <laughs> the power of a movie. Yeah. I'll tell you. It's, um, I don't think it, it, it doesn't, it's not a fabric woven into the story as it is in this, however. Right. But it's the only thing I can think of. And maybe it didn't start it or revive it, so to speak, much like old brother did. Maybe it was just part of the resurgence and the timing of it was, was, was just lined up with squirrel nut zippers, et cetera. And those guys all kind of voodoo big bad voodoo daddy they were in the swingers film there right you and me in a bottle make street and i oh triple step triple step rock step all that shit Ooh, boy but um yeah this this was great because you know growing up here and there i'd hear this kind of music now and again my grandfather on my mother's side um you know liked this kind of stuff and i never And and because I was a kid and when I was exposed to it, I kind of liked it. I never knew any artists. I never knew who I was listening to. I was just like, oh, this is kind of cool. And uh, much to my father's chagrin, I was never really into country. Like he fucking, my my dad just likes country. Now, he's probably more into country from, you know, the 90s and probably right before the Garth Brooks explosion. Right. More than he is into country nowadays. And, you know, my dad, when, when, I could get him to, I could get him to put on like the doors and shit, because that was his jam when he was younger, right? Eight track in the car, he would always tell me, right? The doors. <laughs> but um yeah, I uh I dug it, man. I the music was fucking cool. I I remember thinking to myself, I really like this music. Is that weird? You know, it's <laughs> it's crazy because I don't I am I am as I'm about as far from southern religious as you can get in terms of the way I am. Although I will say this, and, and this is something you and know, I can talk about outside of, um, you know, being a sort of a cantankerous cocksucker sometimes. I really, I really identify with sort of like a, a Southern way, so to speak, like a simple kind of leave me alone, you know, love your neighbor type of, is, am, I, am, I, am I making sense? I don't know how to describe yeah. it without going no, on I and on. Like a simple sort of kind of in the woods type of guy. Like that, <laughs> I really, do I identify with it? I don't know if that's a stretch, but I, I feel I really see the appeal of it.
1: It resonates with me. It resonates with me, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> You know, what's funny for me is talking about just the music of the movie, which is such, like we've said, a a huge part of it. Um, Growing up, like I was always big into, you know, my dad's music. He was the one who introduced me to basically all the classic rock that I was listening to when I was young, like The Doors, Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix, all of that. Um, But he was also deeply into blues, like really heavy into like Robert Johnson, Son House, like real old school Delta blues uh, and turned me on to some of that. So I used to listen to a lot of that when I was younger. But funnily enough, my dad being one of the most musical people I know, played in a lot of bands, sings all the time, uh, not at all a fan of country or bluegrass. Hates them both. Never listened. Oh, uh, it was just like he, the sound of a banjo repulsed him. He couldn't stand it. No and so kidding. so for years, I never, I never disliked it, but I was very neutral on it. I was like, yeah, yeah, I think you know, my dad's kind of right. It's not really my thing. I heard some here and there and just didn't really give it that much of mind. And then I saw this movie, and I feel like pretty much everybody else, I was kind of like, oh, I actually do like this music in this movie. Like, this is good. If this is bluegrass, then I'm a little more on board. And then uh, shout out to my buddy, Caleb Hartzell, who also left a uh, listener comment I'm going to be reading later. Awesome. This is like maybe his all time favorite movie. Cool. But he introduced me to to, yeah. Uh, and he introduced me to the Albino Skunk Bluegrass Festival, three-day festival of nothing but bluegrass music, which I, I only got to go to twice. I'd love to get up there again if I get back home in October sometime. But that was my first time seeing three days of live bluegrass music while you're eating barbecue that you've all cooked, and two, three hundred people all just camping out listening to bluegrass music live on this stage on a farm. Yeah, that's rad, uh, and dude. Dude. That shit is fantastic. Bluegrass live is just killer. It's so good. I fucking love it. I just people who can just shred a banjo, choruses that are just fucking beautiful. Uh like the, even the girls in this movie that I think the, the girls who actually sing the songs that George Clooney's daughters sing are called the Peasley, the Peasley sisters. Dude, they're fantastic. Like that just a th- three a trio of of singers who can just intertwine their voices like that is so heavenly. It sounds so good live. Uh, so I, I definitely, I gained a real appreciation with Bluegrass after seeing it live. Um, and I'm not going to pretend, because I'm a major fan, I have Bluegrass albums or anything, I don't. But every time I hear it, it's totally a fond,
0: soft spot for me. Yeah. It has a unique sound. It's uh, Without going too much into the music part of this, because I don't want to overstep my knowledge, which is rudimentary. But it's, you know, there's a lot of this... Um, there's a lot of three-part harmonies, which, you know, so if you're watching, like, take, take a star is born. We can all wrap our heads around that, right? That's, that's one person singing the melody and one person singing the harmony, and it's beautiful. These two voices make almost like a two-note chord, so to speak. And in a lot of this bluegrass stuff, you have three people. You know, you have somebody singing the melody, then you have somebody just above it, on the scale and there's somebody just below it and it's almost like you're hearing a full three note chord being sang and that's why it has such a unique right. sound to it it's very very cool love it yeah you know what band does that a lot um, if I'm not mistaken I'm pretty sure Fleetwood Mac does a lot of that like three part harmony shit I don't know off the top of my head I'm just kind of remembering um, by the way there's a beast of a singer Stevie Stevie Nicks but I'm not telling anybody True. I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't already know <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's kind of neat the way they do it. It's, you know, you have a lead then you have somebody just below it and then somebody just above it. And it sounds really cool. It has a unique sound to it. And the one thing I like about the music that is played throughout this entire movie is I love, I just love the music. When music causes me to imagine something, it really is fascinating to me. Like, like imagining imagery to it? Imagery, absolutely. Anything that totally. conjures imagery in me or, or conjures up a time, I almost feel like, and, and I don't really think we can wrap our heads around this as well, but one of the fascinating aspects of music to me is its ability to sort of time travel us, right? If you put on headphones and you listen to Bach, right, and you're fucking rocking out to the Bradenburg Concierto, you're, you're literally just about experiencing something other people did once upon a time, almost exactly outside of an electronic rendition. Seeing it live is almost, uh, it's almost like you're in a time machine. Like you get to experience, because if you walk amongst a place where somebody was, it's almost like echoes of a memory. Like, oh, here's where Paul Revere was. I, that's cool. It makes you feel kind of cool, but it's not the same. Or here's where the fucking St. Valentine's Day Massacre happened. Or here's where Lizzie Borden fucking hacked somebody up. Or here is whatever. When you hear it, though, you know it's not a facsimile, so to speak. It's fucking that dry it, It's wild. It it makes my head just swim with imagination. You know. Totally. I love shit like that. And even if it doesn't, even if it's just imaginative music, you know, that's one of the things I love about Dead Can Dance, which obviously isn't everybody's cup of tea, but it's really cool, worldly, wacky fucking experimental music that kind of started as this goth band in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, and transitioned. And that's, you know, where, um, People know Dead Can Dance, even though they don't think they do. If, if you know the Gladiator soundtrack, you know Lisa Gerrard, and she was a member of that band. <laughs> and I guess they've since gotten back together, but I'm going off on a tangent on music. My point is, when I hear bluegrass, it makes me think of something from, from a time long lost. And obviously well, and there are... Lot of,
1: a lot of times, it is. I mean, that's, it is, that's what's also right. so fascinating about, about bluegrass. A lot... Of bluegrass standards that are that are covered by you know bluegrass bands now and, and you know on their albums are the songs the songs themselves the lyrics even were written a hundred twenty years ago I mean they are passed down it is a part of actual history like that that is i mean there's something so so much to be said about a piece of culture that is passed down by voice for generations and yeah. generations and generations and still being re-recorded and still being played and still part of the soundtrack of a, a modern
0: movie. I mean, that's, that's living history. It's so cool. Yeah. Very cool. Music's a wild one. The other one is a sense of smell, right? They say that might be the biggest one. Mm-hmm. If you, you can smell that moonshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. Don't remember because it's moonshine. Yeah. Or, or maybe it may more specifically if, if, uh, you know, for me, it was, I've experienced this recently. I hadn't been to Florida in 20 years, and you walk into your mom's house or you walk into a buddy's house, and you go, whoa,
1: there's a yeah. smell about
0: it. And it's its really triggering for memory. Um, but music has always been, um, I've always, I mean, everybody likes music, obviously, but uh, it's special, man. It's a special type of thing. Um, I think it was Salvador Dali. I actually went to his museum in Florida. St. Petersburg, pretty cool. But um, he always talked about the impermanence of music and why that was so fascinating. Like a painting is there. You can turn away and and stop experiencing the painting. You can turn back and see the painting. And a lot of people talked about this. I think it was either Mozart or Beethoven might have said something similar. Because they were talking about, back then, it wasn't like, see, back then, if you painted a beautiful work of art or a masterpiece, of five-by-five, whatever the fucking standard is for a masterpiece thing, you could experience it any moment by turning and looking at it, but there was no facsimile for music. If you weren't playing it live, you did not hear music or, or right. watch somebody else play it live. Think about how much we take that for granted, right? In 1723, you didn't hear music unless you went to the fucking place and the guy played the music. You didn't hear music unless you were rich, either. Most of the time, crazy man. It's really cool. Well, yeah, man. This movie, dude. The Coen Brothers, um, in my opinion, are master filmmakers. I, um, yeah, I really dislike I mean. any of their movies. I'm sure I would if I went through their filmography, and, and maybe we will, and uh, maybe we should. Should we go through their filmography a little bit, dude? I'd I'd be down to. I uh, I am a huge fan of so many of their movies. Yeah, dude, they, um, I, I'll tell you, they are, um, goddamn, I don't know. Yeah, they- how many, shit, what have we done? We've done No Country for Old Men. Have we done any other Coen Brothers movies? Um, I'll tell you in just a second. Should I pull up Joel or Ethan Coen? I guess it's the same if I if I do either really one, much. right? I know one of them does do a little more writing work for other people producing. I can't remember which one, but, uh. It's- yeah, well, I'll I'll pull up, I'll, I'm going to pull up Joel and take a look here we got producer, but I'll go to probably director credits. Um, I have yet. So I'm going to go back. Um, let's see my fucking screen's jumping around on me. Super annoying. Here we go. Uh, so let's start with blood simple raising Arizona. Have you seen that? Oh, hell yeah. Fucking love raising Arizona, man. So I got three in a row raising Arizona, by the way, which they, uh, homage the fight scene in this. With uh, oh shit, G- yeah, John totally. Candy twirling around. Hilarious. Uh, Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink. Yes, yes, yes. Hudsirka Proxy, I don't remember as much. I'd have to watch it again. Fargo is fucking amazing. Big Lebowski. Fargo's amazing, yeah. Right. Far- oh, the Big
1: Lebowski. We've done the Big Lebowski.
0: Yep. Um, the Man Who Wasn't There. Ooh, haven't seen that one. Uh, intolerable Cruelty, I haven't seen. Lady Killers, I saw. No, countries. Yeah. no Country for Old Men. Amazing. Lady Killers is the only Coen Brothers movie I've seen where afterward I was like, eh, it's all right. <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, Burn After Reading is not often loved, but I actually dug Do it. Me too.
1: Me too. I think we talked about it before. Like, that's, that's one of those much-maligned movies of theirs where I was like, I don't get it. I
0: really like that movie. Um, uh, because fucking Malkovich. He's a killer. He's amazing. I have it. a drinking problem, Peck. Fuck you. You're morming. Compared to everybody, I have a drinking problem or something like that. Compared to you, everybody has a drinking problem. You think
1: problem. that's a Schwinn?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just love, love the fi- the too. firing scene from John Malkovich. I'm oh, getting fucking crucified and he shoots the arms out to his side. Oh, man, I pissed my pants. I, that scene's so good. Um, Hail Caesar. Yeah, I, you know what? I still haven't seen that. It was okay. Yeah, true Grit. I, I heard it was eh. um, I, I, like, I like True Grit. True I didn't grit. I see it. Think it's I a haven't m- seen it.
1: I, it's good. It is not—I would not put it up there even in top ten of Coen Brothers movies,
0: but it is a good movie. I do really like it. Cool. Yeah, so there you go, man. Um, yeah, Danny says Hail Caesar was kind of boring. <laughs> Oops. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, John Coffin is matches. discussing their dialogue. Their dialogue is amazing, and this movie is no different. Actually, we got a couple people to thank. Uh, your aforementioned friend. This was a uh, guild bounty back when we did those.
1: Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> it's been up. Caleb.
0: So Caleb, thank you. John Cawthon, thank you. Mike Rafus, excuse me, thank you. Annie Diaz, thank you. Robert Moreland, thank you. Joe Appalcini, thank you. And David Young, thank you. So those guys thank came guys. together, pulled their resources, and uh, bountied this film for coverage 100 years ago, and we're finally covering it. I think they built. I think they bountied it right after it dropped on DVD. So seventeen years. There ago. we go. <laughs> before, <laughs>
1: while we were still considering doing a podcast, we're like, we'll probably want a bounty movie. So before a podcast
0: existed, actually, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, man. Anything else you wanna you want on before we go through? Mm, I'm, I'm just itchy to get into it, man. I'm right, ready for this one? Let's do it. Um. So let's talk about the opening.
1: Hell yeah! Opens up right away before you hear anything else. The pounding of the hammers and the pickaxes and the song.
0: Yep the the, uh, song the opening by the Chain Gang. The opening quote too, right? Oh uh, Muse, sing in me and through me, tell the story of that man skilled in all the ways of contending, a wanderer harried for years on end. Mm-hmm. And then we got this Paul Lazarus piece, right? The high sheriff told the deputy. Uh, this is, I believe, a recording of an actual chain gang singing the song, which is fucking wild. Damn. Yeah. The prisoner's chant music, the prisoner's musical chant from the beginning of the movie was actually an old recording of an actual chain gang. Wow. Pretty wild. Damn. That is cool. You know what and I noticed sad. immediately <laughs> in this scene? What? I noticed that um, the color was really muted. Did you catch yeah. that? Yeah. I did well it
1: starts out very muted, basically black and white, and kind of slowly fades into a sepia kind of hue, which they very very much like sepia treat the entire movie. But this this whole scene, even though when the even the color does become a little more vivid, is still more washed
0: out than the mm. Yeah. Yeah, this is cool. There's uh it's it's weird to describe because you're thinking, you know, are these guys legitimate prisoners i mean what's going on here there's something there's something about the the you know this goes back to the the chain gang saying goes back to slavery right this ability to sing your way through horrific conditions and it's just wild having it echo through time again music being this connecting force right right And then, of course, in the big rock candy mountain, where the handouts grown on busses and you sleep out every (sighs) night. Fucking awesome, man. That's an old tune as well. Oh, absolutely. I, I remember having another another
1: childhood friend of mine would just randomly sing this song. It was like one of the few songs he knew. And we'd just we'd be like hiking in the woods and he'd be singing this song. What are you
0: live in a fucking Stephen <laughs> King stand by me
1: movie? <laughs> Basically. I'm serious. I remember, and we actually kind of used to bust his balls about that.
0: Oh, that's awesome, <laughs> so Like, dude.
1: What are you doing? That's awesome. But I mean, at the same time, it is a funny song. So we're like, ah, hey, whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of wild that like uh I guess what I'm about to say is I really understand the plight of the slave. You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: Definitely. <laughs> when I worked, yeah, I'm sure you do.
0: Yeah, I really understand the the, the In pain. In your house, yeah, with no. Warmth. When I would, when I would, uh, w- when I would uh, work with my old man, and it was just a, yeah, you know, a shitty day, and we're like, ugh, this fucking this job sucks balls. And my brother-in-law would just start whistling, and I was like, all right, I don't mind it. I don't yeah. mind it. You know what I mean? Like normally, I'd be like, "Fucking shut! Stop! So annoying! Don't do that!" But I would be like, "It's fine because I'm thinking about it and not this bullshit at this particular moment." Not you the know blister I mean? on my hand slowly forming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly, busting our ass all day long. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, I get it, guys. Okay.
1: <laughs> I get it. All right. Debate over.
0: Can I get some reparations?
1: Settled. <laughs> God.
0: Uh, that's so dumb. But anyway. We dude, see I uh, love, a couple of Three Stooges.
1: Yeah, basically, dude. And also, dude, I love how the title card, you know, we basically, this whole segment here is kind of just like a, a little prologue to the whole rest of the story. But, we you know, we see the chain gang first. I think it's interesting that we see the chain gang and none of our main characters, and then it fades to black. And then, oh, brother, where art thou? And then we see our guys running. Like, I like that the title is a question. It's almost like, oh, brother, where art thou? Here they are. Yeah. <laughs> running away from the chain gang and plopping down in the tobacco fields to hide from the overseers.
0: So good. I love it. I love them running across the field, escaping, making their way onto the train, and we immediately start with, of course, the, uh, how's his name? Everett McGill. Everett McGill. Everett McGill. Any you fellers, uh, metallurgists? <laughs> Dude, that shit, you know, before you were forced into a life of aimless wandering... <laughs> the fucking dialogue so hilarious, man. And these fucking drunk rail-riding bows. I just love are like, it. Huh? <laughs> they, they, they don't even care. One of the That's things I fun. love about this movie, <clears throat> and it almost gives the film a, a rebellious quality to it, is that they are clearly escape prisoners and nobody seems to really care too much. No, it's, not at all. It's fucking awesome, right? <laughs> They're like, ah, Probably just boys getting into trouble, being boys, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Because <laughs> they are also, they are just in like, this is the dirt poor South Great Depression. Everybody is just poor as shit. I don't think anybody gives a damn. They're just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm busy trying to get enough food to feed eight kids. I don't care that you're prisoners, whatever.
0: No shit, right? And um, obviously they they made it quite clear, but they there is a direct tie to the Odyssey here, right? Indeed, you know what's so
1: funny about that, though. Let's, let's Neither, talk about the
0: structure of this film.
1: The overall, it's very like episodic. Like, and even mm-hmm. the Coen Brothers talk about that in interviews. How it's like, it's not one long through line. I mean, it's all it's all connected, but it is like very just little episodes with each new character they come across, and it's like a, a segment of just this experience. Mm.
0: Awesome. How do you see it? Yeah, I, I mean, I I love that we are seeing a. Mm, I like that we're seeing a, a Greek. It, it's funny because it, it has obviously the Homer Odyssey stuff, but it also has a lot of allegory to religion, which I dig. I thought that was cool, and I just liked that it was a modern day, pardon, pardon the parlance, Odyssey, so to speak. Yeah. It was cool. I love that neither of the Coen brothers have ever actually read the Odyssey.
1: (laughs) And evidently they were saying the only person on set who had ever actually read the entire Odyssey was Tim Blake Nelson, uh, Delmar. He's the only one who actually read it and was like, oh, I, I know <laughs> what it actually is. Because they, like a lot of the rest of us, uh, pretty much knew what they knew about the Odyssey from just pop culture references and mm-hmm. adaptations and just random shit that they had seen. Uh, because it's just it's so such an ancient story that we, it's been reproduced so many times and, and parodied and, and shown. It's like we all kind of know what the Odyssey is, even if you've never read it. Right. It's awesome. And evidently they were like halfway through the script and then kind of realize oh, this is kind of like the Odyssey. Maybe we should just make that more overt. And, and I think it was uh, Ethan Cohen who was like, I also just really like the idea of having that title uh, on on the credits of Based on the Odyssey by Homer. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's pretty cool. I, um, I like that part of it. I like that it feels episodic is a good way to say it because, it because it's easy to take in. It's easy to experience. It's easy to enjoy. That's one of the things I love about it. It's very watchable. Absolutely. It's not yeah. complicated oh, okay. at all. It makes total sense. It has an otherworldly quality to it, but a lot of these otherworldly qualities are linked to potential things that could be explained, which is kind of neat. Right. Like, it's it's not even quite surrealism, but it, it, I love how
1: it does have this kind of, like, flavor of otherworldliness that never goes too far beyond. Like, it still it feels like the real world. It feels like a real... Place, but it has just enough of an edge of almost like lingering possible magic that it makes it feel more than real life. And also, I mean, I think the fact that they set it this, this is kind of like this far back in the past, which is not ancient. You know, there are Mm -hmm. still grandparents and great-grandparents who were alive at this time. But at the same time, it's far enough removed from living memory that it kind of has that aura of, ooh, what was it like back then? We don't fully know. Like you can kind of sure. imagine a grander quality to things. And I feel like they play on that whole idea
0: so well in this movie. Yeah, it's, it's other world adjacent, so to speak. Totally, yeah. Yeah. And it, it starts off pretty quick when uh, we run into the the blind seer, right? Oh dude. Oh dude before that though, I gotta say, when
1: they when they go off for that train and they get yanked off because Pete oh, falls man. down and That's they're all funny. still chained together. Fucking funny. What a great introduction to these three characters. We get we get their dynamic right away, right here in the scene. Like Everett's mad and he's like, oh, what in the hell? And and eventually he's like, Alright, well, I got a different plan. And Pete's like, Well, who the hell made you the leader of this here outfit? I vote for my, myself, right? Yours truly. And you know, Everett's well, I vote for yours truly to himself. And they're like, they looked at Delmar and he's He's just like well, all right, I'm with you, Phyllis. <laughs> like the, it, like what that right there, that dialogue, you already get the notion of who each of these guys are. Like Everett even says he's like, well, why should you be the leader? I think it should be the uh, the one of us with the capacity for abstract, abstract thought. Uh, me so like he's the smart one who probably overestimates his intelligence uh but you know he can talk his way out of things pete's a little more like harder edge to him a little bit angrier and delmar's just like the sweet in between who's just gonna you know be the mediator sure and it's perfect
0: like that dynamic is set up right away yeah eric Pull in the chat says ulysses mcgill uh Clooney, talks very fast and the things he says are complicated a lot of big words used Correctly in most of what he says, but he's actually dummy shit. (laughs) He kind of is, man. That's funny. (laughs) Oh man! So the seer, blind man. Lots of eye stuff in this movie. Did you notice that?
1: Yep. Yep. Lots of characters with
0: eye things going on. Well, I I thought blind seer, and then I think with. I think later when we get Goodman, we have Cyclops kind of shit. Totally, right? Totally. And I mean, also the the uh,
1: the guy pursuing them with the, the black glasses over his eyes—you like never see his real eyes. Yeah, that's think that's like, the devil, man.
0: That's like satanic totally. shit. It's fucking cool. And, hey,
1: did you notice how similar his description uh, that Tommy gives of the yeah, was devil exactly, was? exactly. Yeah, it was
0: exactly it's him.
1: Exactly that. Yeah, guy. yeah. But dude, yeah, the blind seer—that is such Greek prophet. Kind of shit, right there. Like every every Greek tragedy has a fucking oracle being like, "And this will pass." Like they all fucking have that
0: guy, and that's what we get here.
1: I have no
0: name, right? And he tells them essentially, you, you know, you're gonna what you think you seek, you're not going to find. You, but what you find will be, a, you'll find the fortune you seek, but it will not be what you seek. Essentially, right? And it will right. be you will find. treacherous. It will be difficult. And I like, dude, I like how, you know, he does give that, that like, prophetic
1: vagary. Like, it's kind of just a, a, a big idea. He's not really getting specific. But then he straight up gets specific and says, you will see a cow on top of a cotton house. Uh-huh. And like, that's, like, that's such a random, odd, specific thing. And I love that because it stands out so well and it comes back later.
0: Felt, yeah, fuck yeah, man. Fear not, the obstacles in your path for fate has vouchsafed your reward. Mm-hmm. Though the road be wide, yea, your hearts grow weary. Yes, sir. Still shall ye follow them even unto your salvation, Matthew. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand <laughs> up. Feel the spirit of the Lord, Matthew. Indeed. I feel it. Just hold up my fan.
1: Mm, it's hot in this church,
0: boy. Hmm. <laughs>
1: Dude, what a great shot! To after we, after we get, this is kind of the beginning of their journey, their odyssey, and you know, this blind prophet is telling them what their what lies ahead of them, and then we cut to this beautiful far shot of them slowly going down that just endless track on mm. into the future. Like, what a great, like again, like mm, 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 that is good cinematography, tasty.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really nice shot. It's perfect. It's perfectly centered in the frame. I think the uh, it's got to be on some kind of boom, and it just slowly rises up as they ride out, and then it transitions. I love, I love, I love the stark transition into the next piece of countryside. The I guess episode. is a good way to say it. Sure, it's um, episode two, season one of A Brother or Art Thou? <laughs> but if you pay close attention, the contrast there of what you're seeing from a uh, just a. a the, the woods, the, it's, it's broken, it's barren, it's the beginning. Totally. And also, we get that same effect at the very
1: beginning where it starts more washed out, more black and white, and Absolutely. becomes a little more colorized, which is a cool transition from that kind of golden-hued plane that they're in on
0: the railroad. I'll tell you, I watched this on my computer, um, and then I watched it again on my TV, and I didn't catch that as well on the computer. I think uh, it really benefited me to watch it on the bigger TV when I was home. Yeah, oh, that's such a good movie to see
1: on that. I wish I'd gotten to see this on the big screen. I did not see it in theater. I, we, it was another movie we
0: rented, like pretty much right when it came out. Oh, uh, I would have killed to have seen this in a movie theater. Um, here is a scene that I, I just love. So, they walk upon uh, the the home, the Hogwallops home, with <laughs> the tin roof. And they see a a young,
1: dirty, barefoot Dean Martin comes out of his house with his rifle in hand. Yeah, from the bank.
0: Dude, I love that he's on standing orders to shoot people from the bank. Hell
1: there not. is something
0: glorious about this.
1: <laughs> this is our this is our little plot of land. I'm gonna shoot anybody I don't know.
0: Oh, that's yes, so sir. good. Well, we ain't from the bank, young feller. <laughs> I'm supposed <Dude>. to shoot <laughs> shoot folks serving papers. We ain't got no papers neither. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: dude, I love when he's like, "I nicked the census man," and Delmar's like, "Well, now there's a good boy." <laughs> oh, yes, dude, so good.
1: <laughs> They're like, "Fuck the government."
0: So good. Oh shit. This uh this this uh shot of them coming around the corner and the guy sitting on the stump. Oh man, that is some hick, some deep level hick in that shot. Oh yeah, he is <laughs> hillbilly and damn hard. Got
1: a cow drinking out of a bathtub out there. <laughs>
0: Yes, sir. A clawfoot. He's in overalls. Mm -hmm. He's whittling down something. I don't even know what. (laughs) Mr. fucking hogwallop himself. Hogwallop. Hogwallop. God damn. What a curse to be named that. So funny. I think he comes from a long line of hogwallopers. Hogwallopers.
1: Me and my daddy used to grab up them pigs by the ears and just wallop their ass.
0: (laughs) Wallop them. How you been, Walsh? Been what, 12, 13 years? Expect y'all want me to get them chains knocked off. So good. And not that, man. That is a fucking good line of dialogue. It sounds stupid. I expect you want me to get them chains knocked off, right? Would you like me to remove your chains? That's too much. Shall I cut your chains off? Do you want me to cut your chains off? No, no. This is the perfect line of dialogue from this guy in this moment. It sounds stupid, but it's like... (laughs) I wouldn't have thought to write it that way, right? I would have wrote, do you want that's them great, chains though. off or something? But the way he kind of says knocked off, it, it's, it almost highlights his fucking just kind of lackadaisical nature. Right. You know, just it, knock them off, Especially the fact right?
1: that he doesn't note or care that he's a prisoner or anything. He's just like, ah, oh, well, so you probably want those off. Like, that, that's all. He's just like, oh, ah, yeah. I figure that's probably what you're here for. Great point. <laughs> that's it. Couldn't care less.
0: Couldn't care less.
1: And then on to him just regaling him with all the tragedies of the of family oh, that have happened oh, while man. he's been in prison. <laughs> been he hanged himself a year come May, mm-hmm. <laughs> lost a boy to the mumps.
0: That fucking pause I slaughtered his horse last Tuesday. They're fucking eating <laughs> a horse.
1: She (laughs) might have been turned. Damn, dude. (laughs) Just fucking eating. I love that Everett doesn't even look up. You can tell he's like bothered by it, but he just keeps chewing it like, oh, shit.
0: Mm. (laughs) That's what I'm eating. All right. The nice thing about this, too, is remember we're set in the 30s. We're talking depression, right? Oh, yeah, deep depression. And it's cool to see it not so obviously told to us before the movie. We didn't get a voiceover. We didn't get this big, and the economy is tanked. No, we, totally. we see what's probably, going on and we go, whoa, man, these guys are, are living tough. Like, it might cause you to be like, let me Google search 1930. Oh, no kidding. Oh, that's, you know, right? It's cool. It's not so right. obvious. Totally. That's, Unless I mean, you're that's a fucking historian theory, right? and you can tell by looking, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, they're definitely, this is not a prosperous times or place. That's, that's You know, that? that's yeah. easy to see,
0: especially this guy's <laughs> size, right? Totally.
1: But no, I mean, that's actually one of my favorite aspects of this movie is how confidently it just dives into its story and goes. It just goes. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't slow down. It, it, the characters establish themselves as they go. There's not even a lot of big monologuing about what they want or who they are, or where they're from. We just get their dynamic together and then a few pieces, not even so much about them, but about what they want, which mm-hmm. says a lot about their character.
0: We get Papio Daniel on the radio. <laughs> use good pure water and good pure happy old daniel flower <laughs> dapper fucking man <God>.
1: <laughs> commercials back in the day tell you how to just straight up tell you how to live your life yep
0: we got little. you are my sunshine my only sunshine right and then lawman it's the authorities we got y'all surrounded Damn, we're in a tight spot. <laughs>
1: dude, I love see one of my favorite things about Everett is he, like uh, I think who pointed out his dialogue? I think it was it Danny. Um, but dude, he like he'll talk no, so Poole.
0: You mean in the chat? Eric,
1: Eric, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Eric pointed out earlier like how he used these like highfalutin words, lots of big complicated talk, but a lot of times he really is just the same old nincompoop as them. Like, he's not that smart. And I lo- I fucking love how one, the, once the pressure's on, he is not a man of words. Like, he can't think of what to say. He just says the same thing over and over. Uh, Damn, we're in a tight spot. Damn, we're in a tight spot. Like, just freaking out. Ah, it's so good. Mm.
0: Judas Iscariot hogwallop. <laughs> <laughs> Judas
1: Iscariot.
0: Fucking you immediately wallop. know when we are when we see those Thompsons flashing absolutely the cars the thompsons right <laughs> the cops just spray the side of this dude's barn crazy i better be getting a paycheck for that shit
1: <laughs> right
0: the fuck well <laughs> um, and how- the beautiful yeah. shot of the fire burning in satan's eyes dude yeah he is the one gnarly motherfucker yeah just slow moving deliberate intimidating man it's awesome <laughs> Those big black 1930s rocketeer glasses. Yeah, and I love me a Tommy gun. Love me the yeah. sound of it. Doesn't it? Have, doesn't it just have a beautiful sound to it? Honestly, it's the best character of Public Enemy. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> Not pretty, boy, Floyd. Let's have a listen. Careful with that fire, now, boy. Yeah, you love that shit, dude. Tat tat tat, dude. Fully automatic, forty-five caliber. Yeah, it's cool. Fucking, that's insane. It sounds awesome, man. <laughs> Every gangster movie set in this time period, I just love watching them turn cars into oh, fucking yeah. Swiss cheese with them. <laughs> but um, no, they uh, they try to torch the uh, the loft up there. They throw it back and take cover boys, all the police equipment going off, gun shooting, which is outrageous, but that's okay.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, the, the gun's actually firing continuously.
1: So silly. But then it's uh it's old Pete's cousin's little boy comes riding in with his fucking car, books strapped to the pedals so he can reach him. Um, I'm it, a R-U-N-N-O-F-T.
0: <laughs> uh, apparently we reference um, Sullivan's travels among the many episodes experienced by the undercover screenwriter researching for a screenplay of the same name that then appear in Old Brother, our little boy helping the main character escape a posse via Roadster. Nighttime escape by scaling a wall with sheets tied into a rope, hopping a freight car, a chain gang being shown, and at the very end, the question of the permanence of marriage. How about that? Mm. Sullivan's Travels. I'm unfamiliar with it. How about you there, Mister mm, Fucking Englishman? Never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yep. Well, uh, off they go, and uh, they make their way to, uh, I guess, a general store, and we have <laughs> trying to buy the fucking dapper Dan.
1: Dude, Dude, the Cohen brothers love just completely expressionless, monotone cashiers. Mm -hmm. Like, -hmm. they love that. They love that. Well, sir, don't need to raise your voice or speak with that nasty language. This is a public marketplace.
0: Call it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Dude. I don't want this. God damn it. This has one of the best moments of dialogue in the movie. (laughs) <laughs> well, ain't this a place of geographical oddity? Everything's two weeks away. Or two weeks from <laughs> two everywhere. Two weeks from everywhere. <laughs> Dude, I laughed out loud at that part. That shit was funny.
1: Dude, my favorite part about the, the way the scene ends where he's like, well, oh, just two weeks from everywhere, huh? Well, I, I'm done. And he just throws money down on the counter and he's like, just, just a dozen hairnets. <laughs> like, still buy, like, he wants to be dramatic and be like, fuck this place, but he's still going to buy
0: hairnets. He's so vain, he can't help himself. It's amazing. Love it. Yeah, it's kind of a funny thing, this reoccurring Dapper Dan hair treatment stuff. Oh, he's all about his hair. Yeah, all about it. Good looking bastard, that George Clooney.
1: He is, man. He is a Dapper Dan himself.
0: Yep. But yeah. now,
1: this is you know, the scene after this is where we kind of find out what they're really after because they you know, they mention earlier on Everett talks about, oh, you know, i t- I promise you the treasure's still there, but that's really all they say. Here we finally find out that it is a treasure that Everett knows about and is evidently buried or hidden uh, in a place he knows. But they have four days to get there because that where it is, it's in a valley that's going to be flooded to make a, a man-made lake.
0: Yep. And, um, well, they don't have a vehicle, so what are they going to do? Mm, going to have to sell that stolen pocket watch from the Hogwollops. From Mo Hogwollop himself. You stole from my kin? <laughs> oh, for my kid. I love when he's like, but he, but he rat us out. He's like, well, you didn't know that when you stole it. I love the morality here. <laughs> I Hilarious. Love it. Uh, dude, that's, the thing I love about
1: these characters, all three of them really, to varying degrees, but it kind of is a, a truth for all of them, is that they're actually so pure. They're like so pure hearted. Like They're almost like cartoonishly golden hearted small time scams like that's what they are like they're not hardened criminals they never fight anybody or like do anything really violent or anything like they're just a couple of silly old scamps trying to
0: like con their way through everything basically yeah the, the um, that fucking moment where he's uh, you miserable rattlesnake the way Clooney pops into the frame after he calls him a thief or something it is hilarious it's it looks so funny
1: Whoop. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Clooney's
1: outrage face is so funny in this movie. I'm he so. always looks aghast at He's everything. He's
0: fucking hilarious, man. He's really what hilarious. do you think of the performances in this movie? Dude, oh, they're fantastic.
1: Like I honestly have don't even much more to say than that. They're all this it's so perfectly fucking cast. I mean, it is just pitch perfect. They nailed every bit of it. Tim Blake Nelson's fantastic. John Tortura's amazing. Clooney's always good. Like it just works. It
0: works. I agree. I love this next scene. Or or should I say this tack onto this scene, the sequence, so to speak. <laughs> when they see all of the uh the, the congregation heading to the water. Yeah, the down to the river to pray, them walking through. This almost yeah. reminds me of the moment where the elves are moving west in the in the fellowship oh, witnesses it. Oh my god. That's so true. Right? It really does. They all just emerge in the trees and are heading in the same direction. And this is what I mean by there are moments where we they're clearly criminals, but in this moment I like how they just ignore them they walk past them because they have a very specific mission right now and they all have the white on and they're all just moving through the woods like the goddamn elves and they clearly see these men and they just ignore them and they go and these men get caught up in the majesty for lack of better words in this moment and get pulled along with them down to the river dude and the this music is so fucking beautiful it's awesome gorgeous yeah it's really nice
1: <laughs> and that's you know it's funny I like when it comes to to like church music or religious music or even just like being at a church myself I am such a fucking Cranky old man about my churches. Like, fuck your electric guitars and your, your mm-hmm. devilry. Get it out of my church. <laughs> I want an old, old preacher and I want a choir. That's all the music I want. That is, I don't want any of this sing songy, putting on skits, trying to be cool bullshit. I want old timey church and religion. I, this is the I, shit. I can dig it.
0: I can dig it. Absolutely. So it's like this mass baptism, it appears.
1: Yeah, down to the river. Everybody get in line. It's time to make Jesus like you, and um, studying the
0: good old way, and he, and uh, who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. And then, of course, our boy uh, Delmar is like, "Well, wait a minute." <laughs> he's just, just I love charges him. to the front. And I love how, I love down. how it's amidst Everett just talking shit. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, Talkin these hard times, people uh, flushing the chumps here." Hard times. (laughs) Everybody's looking for answers. Looking for answers.
1: (laughs) Well, that's it, boys. I've been redeemed.
0: (laughs) So good. The water's wonderful. Come on in. (laughs) Dude,
1: I love it so much, including that piggly wiggly I knocked over in Kalamazoo. I thought you said you were innocent of those charges. Well, I was lying, (laughs) and the preacher said that's forgiven, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Quick look in on these lads being uh, tracked by Satan and his hound. And I uh, they believe they steal themselves a car, don't they, they dude? They do. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I think this is the scene. I'm trying to remember if it's here where they just like are at a gas station and they just hop into a guy's car who walks into the gas station. That's later. I think that's later. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where they get this fucking car. Then actually, maybe it was the watch. We don't know. Oh yeah, it's true. He does talk about selling the watch to get mm-hmm. a, to get a vehicle. So that probably happened. <clears throat> anyway,
0: Everett uh, ridicules them for their superstition. Mm-hmm. He laughs at the idea of baptism. You two are just dumber than a bag of hammers.
1: <laughs> you should have joined us, Hey, Everett.
0: Yep. Um, and then uh, let's give that ball a lift. <laughs> Down at the
1: crossroads. Dude,
0: what a shot. Ah,
1: It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And, dude, that shot right there is such a great example of uh, what they were going for as far as the color of the movie because... Mm-hmm. They wanted to shoot it in actual Mississippi and they, they were shooting in, you know, during the summer and it was Roger Deakins actually who pointed out like, uh, I know you want kind of like a yellowy dusty dust bowl look for this movie, but if you're going to shoot there in the summer, it's going to look like Ireland. It's going to be completely green everywhere. So this is actually the very first feature length Hollywood movie that was colorized digitally. Like they did all of the, the post-production color work. Digitally, instead of the chemical, old-fashioned chemical process where you actually expose the film reels itself to certain chemical combinations or even flash them with light to overexpose them. They tried some of that stuff, and they couldn't get the look they wanted. So this is the first time that we actually have a a big Hollywood movie get the digital treatment. Yeah, pretty cool. It looks fucking fantastic.
0: Um, Did you ever see the movie Crossroads with Ralph Macchio? Hell yes,
1: dude. Hell yes. Are you kidding me? I fucking love that movie.
0: With Steve Vai?
1: Hell yeah, as the devil?
0: Dude, I'm so happy to hear this. This makes me like you more. I don't remember if it's any good, but...
1: (laughs) Oh, man, it's been so long. I'm afraid to watch it again. I want it to just live in my memory (laughs) at
2: this point.
0: Mm. (laughs) I mean, I'm tempted to go back, but I'm scared if it's aged poorly. So when I started to learn to play guitar... I studied with this guy named Russ Hart. Shout out to Russ Hart. And uh, Russ Hart turned me on to the blues. And I became obsessed with it. And I just tried to consume any media I could. I was like, I'm going to listen to all the old guys from back in the day. Robert Johnson, John Lee Hooker, all that shit. And I was like, give me me anything I can see on tape. So I was like, oh, I watched this Crossroads movie. I'm like, oh, this is fucking rad. I love this movie. (laughs) The kid has to play against the devil and... He beats him with his slide blues at the end. It's so sick.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Dude, I love the sound of a slide guitar. Fuck, it's so good.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's cool.
1: Love that movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, old Tommy Johnson. Tommy which Johnson. This is, you know, like, there's kind of two dueling legends about this. Like, some people say it was a man named Tommy Johnson who went mm-hmm. to the crossroads and sold his soul to the devil to be able to play guitar. But also, a lot of people said that's what Robert Johnson did. Right. So... Who fucking knows? And Robert Johnson did die
0: young and tragically. So hey, maybe he did. Fuck. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. So um, they stop for the man, the young man.
1: Indeed. And that's when Delmar is like, "Oh, I hadn't seen a house for miles. Why are you just standing out here at the crossroad? Mm-hmm. I sold my soul to the devil." He's, <laughs> like I love that. He this just, is the so scene matter of fact. So matter of fact, and this is the scene right after Del Mar just jumped into the river to be baptized by a preacher, mm-hmm. and this dude's like, mm-hmm. yep, sold my soul to the devil, so I could rock out on this fucking guitar.
0: Awesome. And, um, yeah, it says here, the character Tommy Johnson is based on the famed blues guitarist of the same name, according to folk legend sold the Soul to the Devil, at the crossroads exchange for his prodigious talent, Robert Johnson. Yeah, you said all that. I didn't know if there was anything different in this fact. It appears It's not. all there. Yeah. Yeah, they don't know what to say to him. <laughs> 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 Pete and Delmar just been saved and spat, doesn't say it. I guess I'm the only one that remains unaffiliated.
1: Unaffiliated. <laughs> <I'm> an <laughs> and I just, I love how sweet Delmar is. Like, he's never mad at anybody. Mm-mm. Like, a lot of people's reaction here would be like, how oh, that, you monster, you soul. And he's just like, oh, son, you traded your
0: soul, your everlasting soul, just for that. Like, he's like still like sympathetic to him. Even when he's getting let off by the KKK, he's like, well, guess the devil's come to collect. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And this is where he describes him, the white man. White as you folks. Mm. With empty eyes a big black hollow voice. He loved to travel around with a mean old hound. Boy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So on their way to catch these guys, they also took the soul of a poor young black kid.
0: Yep. So it's good to know you're all being pursued by the same devil, so to speak. (laughs) <laughs> right. And that's when they learn about Tishaminga. Tishamingo. Tishamingo. A place where they sit, they'll pay it to sing into their can. Yep. I love that. singing into their can. This guy's amazing, by the way. This guy was in True Blood, Stephen Root. He was in Get Get Out. Oh, yeah. No, he's fantastic. He's also the voice of um,
1: uh, Bill on King of the Hill. Oh, no shit. Yeah. He's great. I love that. Coen he,
0: brothers use him a lot. I love that he comes up with Soggy Bottom Boys. <laughs> Because they soggy were, because he calls it. them soggy sons of bitches or whatever after they're all soaked. That's right,
1: <laughs> <laughs> dude. And I love that you know he's blind, so they try to lie at first. He's like, yeah, y'all sang Negro music," and you're like, mm-hmm. "Oh well, uh, we we are Negroes except for our accompanying guitar <laughs> guitar player." <laughs> 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 and then eventually Delmar's like, hey, "We we ain't Negroes <laughs> except for our company and guitar player." <laughs>
0: Isn't but don't they say that because he says he won't take them?
1: Yeah, he's like, Oh, I don't do Negro music. Yeah. He's like, Oh well, never mind then.
0: (laughs) We've been steeped in the old timey. Yep. Second guy this this guy's played a racist twice now. How about that? Wait, what's that? (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Yeah, and get out.
1: First he steals their voices back in the 30s, and now he wants to just take their bodies. Damn, that's
0: fucking some Hannibal Lecture shit. Just never enough. Hungry old racist. And then we get this. Almost unexpected moment in this film. Right? Dude, I love where, how where it just comes he out just of nowhere. he just blasts. He builds. And,
1: right? And also, just the fact that he just has this song in his back pocket. Like, he just knows this fucking song. And can, they can all just sing it and just bust it out. They're all singers and talented. Like it's awesome. It, it, we come to find out later on like how they actually broke out together. They didn't know each other. It's not like they were friends before that. They were just they happened to be all three chained together and Everett had to escape with them. So it was totally a, a matter of circumstance. And it's, that's another just kind of almost magical otherworldly element here that these three random guys who are thrown together have this like perfect capacity to, to sing together and Absolutely. have this, this perfect song that becomes a hit. Yep,
0: very good point. And uh, off they go. Great song, kick-ass lyrics. Um, again, Great song. more like two-part harmony between uh, Del Mar and Pete. But uh, Everett's singing the main, and it's amazing. Yes, it's fucking rad.
1: Hell yeah. I mean, like, you don't have to like bluegrass to like this fucking song. It's just
0: good. And I'll tell you, I'm watching, I watched pretty carefully. I was watching um, uh, the fingering of Chris Thomas King as Tommy Johnson. Looks like he's playing the part for sure. Damn. Not bad. Looks like it. Yep. Yeah, the guitar in this scene
1: is really good. Yeah. What's his name? And dude, also, wait, what's that? Chris Thomas King. Oh, the guy who plays Tommy? Yeah. yeah. I don't know him. I didn't recognize him if
0: he's been in other stuff. He's a, he's a musician, so it makes sense.
1: Oh, well, so there we go. From Baton
0: Rouge, <laughs> Louisiana. And he uh, plays the guitar on this. Yeah, he's fucking legit as shit, this guy. God damn, this guy looks like a badass.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, got yeah, a fucking top like, hat on.
1: Hell yeah. I wonder if he's actually recording music. I don't know. I'll check it out.
0: Yeah. I'm down. Yeah, for sure, man. But um, anyway... Yeah, that's the guy. Mr. Chris Thomas King, guitar. So that makes sense why he uh, appears to be playing it correctly, because he's playing it. He knows how to play it. Nice. Anyway, they rock it, and people are like, whoa, our boy behind the glass. What's his name? Just radio station man. He doesn't have a real name in the movie. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure if they ever say his name.
1: Not even, the, not even the governor says his name when he says hi to him.
0: What do you think about his as crazy ass?
1: he's got silly man, crazy blind eyes. Yeah. (laughs) And he's just fucking rocking out to their song. Loving it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Do you like the quick thinking by Everett? Dude. to Ah, to fleece this guy for extra money. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Con man to the fucking core. Well, our, our friends, Merle and Aloysius, uh, they'll have to sign with X's. Uh, Only four of us can read. That's fine. Fantastic.
0: He don't care, dude. He's got the money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and dude, maybe one of my favorite lines in this Pappy. fucking movie, when Delmar goes outside and the governor's pulled out he's like, "Hi hey there, there's a fella inside who'll pay you $10 to go sing to his can. And he's like, I ain't here to record a record, you dumb cracker. <laughs> 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 I fucking died, dude. So I died. So Oh, my God. The governor and his yes-men are maybe the funniest people in the entire fucking movie. It is so
0: hysterical. Charles Durning is amazing.
1: He's so good. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good thing your mama died in childbirth. She'd seen you like this. You'd have died of shame. How you doing, mister? Like, just immediately nice to the next person. Oh, fuck.
0: Too funny. So fucking funny. Jesus. He reminds me of uh, Lebowski. I know he's not Lebowski, but he fucking reminded me of him. That's true. Yeah, he does kind of have that presence. Yeah, he's funny as shit, dude. <laughs> you dumb cracker. <laughs> dumb cracker.
1: <laughs> Just doesn't even hesitate. I <laughs> uh, love it.
0: And this guy almost has another worldly quality to him with these two voices always in his ears, right? It's like oh, they're totally about his mouthpieces. They're like his personal chorus that follow him around. Personal, describing that's what his, I'm trying to say.
1: Yep. His life. Yeah. Yep. It's, yeah, hell oh, come on, Daddy. Don't you want to press the flesh and get mm-hmm. to politicking with these here folks? I ain't here to press the flesh. We're here mass communicating.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, hard time killing floor blues. Amazing. By him, by the way, he wrote this this is his piece of music. Ah, it's so good. Yeah. Great moment by the campfire. And that's when they get into talking about what are they gonna do with the money. And see this. Good character right building, here, man. right? absolutely and it's
1: character building that is not it's not really in truth rooted in the plot and it's not rooted in where they've come from or like you know who they are it's about what they want which mm-hmm. says so I, I think that's such a great way to get at a character to to figure out what it is they want speaks way more than any like literal thing where you're like okay so where are you going what are you doing because you know a lot of times that's just
0: traumatic need whatever, man. i think it's super important
1: Right, right. Yeah. Like what what is it that's down you?
0: inside you? Yeah, that you don't have that you want. Yeah, I think that's yeah. in my opinion, and <laughs> probably not my own original opinion, but screenwriters will tell you or people who write screening books and all those fucking guys will tell you dramatic need is kind of the core for Absolutely. at least character driven drama. But this is great shit by I'd, Tutoro. Open a fine restaurant. I'm gonna be the major I'm gonna be the major, major D. Greet all the swells. Go to work every day in a bow tie. How's that for sensibilities? <laughs> what do you want to do with all of this money? Go to work every day. Totally. That it's, says so much so about So much him. about the character, so much about the time.
1: He wants work. He mm-hmm. wants to be safe and have a stable income, and he doesn't want to be a fucking layabout. He wants to work. Mm-hmm. He wants to own his own place. Have it be a nice place, a fancy place. Yeah.
0: Have all his own meals for free. Yeah, man. What you can do with your share of that, though? I'm going to visit them foreclosing son of the gun's. <laughs> down at the indiana oldest savings and loan ah, see delmar is just so fucking
1: adorable like he wants to buy back his own family's farm man ain't nothing without land you know and mm-hmm. you know, he says that but in truth i think it's way more about i want to take back
0: what was my family's and mm-hmm. give that back to him yeah such a sweetheart i i love this uh slight reveal when pete's like oh you don't have a plan that hardly sounds like you obviously everett always has a plan it's weird that he doesn't for the money right and i also i
1: think it goes to how everett's always got a short-term plan always got a way to ooh that cash over there i'm gonna get it but not a well. what do you want out of life he's like i don't know (laughs) i got no
0: idea out of that Mm. you know he knows he wants to get home to his wife eventually fortunately because the barn was smelly they were outside the barn because when the lawman when the devil shows up with his law dogs they are not in the burn when it gets burned to the ground. And this is another cool cinematic shot of these guys watching the barn go up. The f- the flames. That that great silhouette shot just looks incredible. Dude, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Where'd
1: Tommy go? He's already set off, <laughs> scared witless.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Just looks awesome. And more, more, more slick cinematography. Like I'm saying, something I feel like we've been missing on the show lately. Just nice-looking oh, totally. photography. Yeah, man.
1: That's like, uh, you know... Uh, it's like reading a book that might have a great story and, like, really interesting ideas, but, like, not really all that, like, interestingly written or, like, mm. lyrically written, but versus a book that is a beautiful story and, like, an excellent poetic writing that, like, you know, the images are so clear in your mind and everything. That's what this is like, man. It's like, it's just, like, fucking painting after painting. Right.
0: Yep. Good stuff. And they
1: take to the road on foot because they lost their car. <laughs> Dude, this is the scene I remember the most when I was a kid. I thought this guy was just out of his fucking mind. And I remember, I it got me curious about the actual gangster. I'm like, was George Babyface Nelson a real guy?
0: Oh yeah, and he sure as hell was. And I looked him up and was like all interested in that history. After this, yep. He gets gunned down in real life, though he doesn't get he doesn't get executed, right? Yeah, gun, I mean, he, he was got, part of uh, he was part of John part of John Dillinger's gang, and G- yep. Dillinger got got
1: first, and then they they came for Nelson. That's so how they did it back in the day. They just shot you. Trial? The fuck's that? <laughs> Trial? I'm gonna walk up behind you after you see a movie and blow your brains out. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking no joke. Guilty, bang.
0: <laughs> I wonder if half these gangsters just died of fucking syphilis, and they just <laughs> wasted guys uh, they they said were them. Case closed. <laughs> Jesus, it's probably dark, but probably true.
1: <laughs> Make sure to shoot him in the face so he can say he was John Dillinger and nobody will know.
0: Yeah, no <laughs> shit, right? <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Doesn't want to be called Babyface, though, does he? Da- now, that is true, evidently. like ba- George
1: Nelson was evidently like not for that nickname whatsoever. And yeah. like people who actually knew him did not call him that. <laughs> His real name was Lester M. Gillis.
0: Ooh. well, I can see why I went by George Nelson. It's got more of a flair. Yep. He was shot three years before the film was set. 34, they got him. Oh. Fucking bullshit. This yeah. movie's shit. Um, I'll tell you what was weird when he said, any of you gentlemen know your way along with Walter P.P.K., and then he pulls out a Tommy gun? Was that I, him I, just not knowing the gun, or was he making a funny joke? I think he also had a, a PPK in there,
1: and he, he was like, ah, oh, do any of you want to shoot? Oh, okay. <laughs> when When they don't, he's like, I'll just do it myself. Because like, Del Mar's response is like, oh, we're not really from around here. I don't know that. <laughs> like, as if it's a place. Very cool. And then just opens up on these fuckers. Oh, oh yeah, my man. God. He wastes a cow. the fuck? I, that's what I remembered so much as a kid. I was like, why did you just shoot one of the cows? <laughs> just sitting there fucking eating. Just blasts them. Oh, yeah, the, that cow hit looked
0: off. fucking really good for two thousand. That's CG, right? Seriously, um, animal rights people thought they fucking hit a cow. They had to show him. That's crazy. That's how good it looked. But you got to think, man. What? When was um? When was Fellowship? What year did Fellowship come out? It came out in two thousand three. I, I think believe? you're right. Or 2003. I think it's two thousand and
1: three. Yeah. They were shooting it already by now, but it wasn't out because it's post towers. Yeah.
0: And this is That's pre-towers. True. Indeed. 2001, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I remember. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Because I never no, no, no. forget. Lo- Lord of the Rings. Dude, I never forget. Don't you accuse me of forgetting. Oh, God. Lord of the Rings, bro.
1: <laughs> That's it. I'm
0: going to go find my flag pin. Hold on. Fellowship <laughs> 2001, you. you fucking ninny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Fellowship them 2001, feathers. 2002, 2003, basically. That's what you're looking at there, fucking sizzle chest. <laughs> come on boys we're going for the record three banks in two
1: hours <laughs> dude my favorite thing about nelson in this scene is him, like the, just punctuating everything by firing the fucking tommy gun in the air he's, like, even before he goes in the bank he's like pop 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 like fires a couple then goes in blasts into the ceiling
0: ah oh, dude everything so let me ask you objectively mm-hmm. do you think the scene adds to the movie Mm, like adds to the story yeah if you cut it out does this does the movie still work
1: um to be honest yeah i mean like it kind of does right essential i mean really the only thing practically that it does is it gives them some money (laughs) like it gets them money to keep going but as far as like having george nelson be here
0: having them be a part of it like it's just kind of a weird flair to be perfectly frank i couldn't remember that it gave them money but now that i'm Um, obviously have the movie on while we talk here. I'm thinking it does make more sense now. Right.
1: But, I I mean, it's a very, it's a short scene. This is one of the shorter episodes in the movie. Yeah, because we see him at his high where he's like, I'm 10 feet tall, I'm George Nelson. And then, you know, around the campfire, he's just completely sullen, doesn't give a shit about the money. Yeah, But, dude, when that lady calls him babyface and he freaks out on her, (laughs) I just love it where he's like, I'm George Nelson born to raise hell, and then just fires one plop into the ceiling and he turns around all (laughs) sad-faced.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He still shoots his gun off, but I'm a grumpy boy about it now. (laughs) So good. Yeah, good shit. On top of the world, one minute, haunted by meekness the next. (laughs) Awesome, man. He'll be back on top yet again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Alley cat swung around by the tail by his own humors.
0: Yep. Really, Dr. McCoy, you must learn to govern your passions, or they will be your undoing. (laughs) As we see with George. Indeed. And now we see this fucking Homer Stokes grand wizard asshole. (laughs) <laughs> right
1: with his little dwarf with the broom on the back of his truck evidently that's real by the way there i can't remember the actual like historical figure they took it from but there was like uh, a, a southern governor i think it was a governor of louisiana who had that for his campaign He had a, a dwarf with a broom here he's talking about we're gonna sweep away all the old corruption like that was oh, what he toured that's with. so
0: brilliant man <laughs> oh man some old school shit there also this guy american flag during the day confederate flag at night i guess <laughs> that's it <laughs> no irony whatsoever no, 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 that's funny <laughs> so um, let's talk about uh, the Soggy Bottom almost legend is starting to build dude yeah the guy comes back into the radio station we gotta find
1: those boys and sign them to a fat contract before the competition does.
0: Mr. French mm-hmm. good stuff so this is one of the most compelling and weird things about this movie that I find interesting and I think I like and I don't even know if it's good. (laughs) Isn't that weird? That's one of the cool things about this movie. I don't know if this part of it's good, but it's interesting and I kind of like it. So I guess it doesn't really matter. But this idea that they kind of go in and randomly sing, I uh, am a man of constant sorrow. And then that's the end of it. And then we see in the background it starts to create this legendary status around them, and people wonder who they are, and it kind of saves their bacon in the end when they get on stage and do it. Exactly. Because like it's that's, been they, building they, up steam in the background despite whatever they're doing totally, while they are totally. evading the law. It's
1: just a, just a wacky concept. Just a one-off thing they did for some you know, quick cash, and it becomes their redemption at the end. Wild, huh? That's what saves them. It's so cool. And that's, again, it's like, it's a deus ex machina with setup. <laughs> it's like, it's, it actually has an interesting backstory to it. It's just unbeknownst to our characters. To them, it's a deus ex machina. But for us, we get to see this slow momentum
0: building and people talking about it. Yep. And, uh, yeah, the people building about it, they, they steal the pie, but they leave the money. So we're almost seeing a redemptive qualities in them. That's We sad. don't know they're so why they're prisoners. We have no idea. Right. But we know why we root for them. They're very likable. Totally. And it's Delmar, of course, who leaves the money, the man who's saved. Yeah, I turned a new leaf. I'm safe. Yep. And isn't it sort of almost, don't we almost have montages until they get to the swamp they're walking through? We do, yeah. A great, great little montage here of them all
1: you know, just laughing and getting to know each other, sitting around campfires, like you said, stealing the pie. And right. they do a great shot here when they, they're reading the newspaper and they toss it in, and at first you see the article about the, the valley that's going to be flooded, and as that page burns, behind it you see, Soggy Bottom Boy is a sensation, but who are they? Mm-hmm. And they just don't even notice it. They just toss
0: it right in the fire. What a product of our time, too, which is so fascinating. You'd never not know now. If right. you did something that became popular, I mean, these guys don't know for months, however long this odyssey is. They have no idea. There's no communication. Oh, oh, well, Actually, that's one thing to remember. It's only four days, this whole movie. Oh, okay. Holy because that, that's when the place gets flooded. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, so, yeah, they, but they have no idea that they are super popular already, right. I guess is the larger point.
1: And we get to even that shot of the woman in the record store. Do you have Soggy Bottom Boys performing, man?
0: A constant sorrow. Sorry, but we just can't keep them on our shelves. Just we get flying. that. We get the recurring moment of the dapper Dan, him picking up at the gas station. This is where they steal that uh, fancy man's car and drive away. Again, still committing crimes, which is interesting. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they don't hurt nobody, they just take their things. Yep. <laughs>
0: and uh, we get this pretty amazing siren shout out here.
1: Dude, this this is the most. Honestly, I would say this scene alone is the most Odyssey esque. It's fucking cool, man. The call of the sirens, and they are just totally, absolutely like taken in by it. No resistance at all. Yeah, you wouldn't imagine you'd have any resistance to such right? a thing. It'd be pretty hard, <laughs> pretty hard to resist. How to do, ladies? <laughs> Name a
0: Pete. <laughs> I
1: saw him first. <laughs> Too funny.
0: I need all three. I'm a man of appetites. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mia Tate, Musetta Vander, and Christy Taylor are these women. I don't know if they've done more. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't look them up. Did you?
1: Uh, No, I did not, but they are very good at being wet and sexy. They've got that on their resume. Yep, they they can rock that pretty well.
0: (laughs) I like that main leader girl. She's a little bit older. I can dig it.
1: You know what she reminds me? She's got a little bit of a Faruza bulk thing going on. And I'm like, mm,
0: all right. Hell if, she, yeah. if maybe, like if she went to college or something.
1: <laughs> right? If she goes to college and starts wearing a lot of
0: black. Yep. Still I'm barefoot, so which I can dig, you know? <laughs> Never wear shoes. <laughs> They're water gypsies. What do you want me to tell
1: Some you? Some things don't change. <laughs> you can take the girl, you know, you can take the water gypsy out of their magical kingdom, but you can't. <laughs> Put the college in the water. Fuck you're saying. I don't fucking know.
0: (laughs) Who knows? Tuturo's (laughs) face in an attempt to control the boner is just incredible. (laughs) (laughs) That just ruined denim. (laughs) Pants, jeans. Yeah, denim in these cases are just ripped everywhere. Nothing. (laughs)
1: I love Delmar looking almost just terrified, like, oh, oh, I don't even know what to do, but it's great.
0: Absolutely. What do I do? <laughs> the faces Dude, they, and they are just are so good.
1: They just start tipping back those like old timey Looney Tunes, triple X, like moonshine jugs. That's like the oh, shit Tom fuck. would
0: try to poison Jerry with. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> oh, shit. Dude, just tipping it back. They just get them good and drunk and pass them right the fuck out. Don't you love, too, that the song they're singing is like, go to sleep, little baby. Like, they're just lulling them to slumber.
0: Yeah, man. And just I'll Robin tell you, Blind. there's creepy imagery here with the clothes laid out. Oh, totally. Awesome, man. Hon- That is honestly, really for- creepy.
1: Totally. And, and I forgot what their reaction to that was, but I was totally thinking Delmar was going to have a, like, oh, he's been taken up by the Lord. <laughs> like, fucking rapture. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he got raptured. <laughs> I was seriously thinking that's what's going to happen. Delmar would be so mad frog. that he didn't get to go.
0: What? Right. How is it not me? He didn't, need me? Get, saved. He didn't how, get baptized. How is it not me, Goddamn. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's funny. And... Uh, they think he's been turned into a frog. Well, Delmar does ever certainly Delmar doesn't. Does. <laughs> Delmars basically can't get right at this point. Just about.
1: Just shy of it. Dude, him him in the water as the frog almost hops out of his hands again, just screaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we gonna do? <laughs> it's I love so it. fucking funny. I love it. Oh my god. I just love watching Everett have to interact with Delmar on his own because he's already said out (laughs) loud in front of Delmar of like, well, I thought you had more smarts than Delmar, Pete. Like just totally thinks this guy's an idiot and having to humor the idea that maybe he is this frog. Like, well,
0: I'm not sure that's Pete. Yeah, right. And that's That's one of the things about Everett. He's always kind of a nice guy, right? Exactly. Yeah, he's never a total dick. Uh, Another hilarious moment in this movie. Is when they go to that fancy restaurant. Oh dude. Frog in a box. And that fornication shit, the look on Cooney's <laughs> <on> face. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Let's have a listen. I am ashamed of it. Well, I see it, he got what he deserved. Fornicating with some whore of Babylon. These things don't happen for no reason, Delmer. It's obviously some kind of judgment on Pete's character. Well, the two of us was fixing to fornicate. <laughs> Her look and then Clooney's <laughs> uh, is fucking gonna priceless. Friend,
1: It's a big fucking smile.
0: <laughs> ah, it's so good. It's so funny. Hey,
1: dude. Don't you just love that fucking chameleon creature that ever is? Where like at one at first he's just like ah religion, a bunch of idiots trying to look for answers, and now now that he's stuck with Delmar, he's like, well, this is what he gets from the judgment of God. He's deemed his character low, and this is his righteous punishment. Yeah, obviously, man. Delmar. So funny, so <laughs> shitty. Just <laughs> gonna use use your notions of religion
0: against you to get you to shut up. <laughs> and just the back of the head shot of Goodman. I love it. It's just immediate – it's an immediate visual hook, the back of his head where – it's like Marcellus Wallace, right? The back of his head with a band-aid. It's an immediate hook. Absolutely. Because we can see the strap on his head. Totally. And you
1: you know what he whips his head around to like when he like takes notice of them. It's such a perfect edit. Fucking Clooney snaps his fingers with the dollar bill in his hand and that's when he turns around like, ooh, money. (laughs) Dude, it's amazing. (laughs) Like he can smell it. Ah, <laughs> uh, such a filthy con man, dirty cyclops,
0: <laughs> dirty, dirty. Hey, dude, cyclops.
1: the fact that his patch is the color of his suit—ah, uh, you love it, right? So good, I love it. <laughs> he's such a fucking southern gentleman. He's so creepy, but he's so great in this
0: movie. Goddamn! <laughs> oh, he's fantastic, man. John Goodman's always good. Yeah, yeah. I I remember. I remember just slowly but surely coming to that realization with Goodman. Dude, yeah. I feel like it took people a while with him, but man, he's fucking stellar. Where, where do you think it begins? For me, I would say, you know,
1: so I actually used to watch Roseanne as a kid. Like that yeah, was my first real exposure to, to John Goodman. And I thought of him as his character from that show. And then it was Raising Arizona was like probably the next thing. Where I, like it was a shock to me. I was like, whoa, like that's, that's the same guy. He's such a bad dude in this movie. Yeah, um,
0: 1987.
1: Yeah that, was my, yeah, that was my first one. I oh, just being like, wow, he really does have some range to him.
0: Um, what else? I'm trying to think uh he was in of course arachnophobia uh, oh, king yeah. ralph yeah. oh yeah barton fink charlie meadows again another coen brothers film he's been in a couple of coen brothers movies 3 4 yeah he's one of the, he's one of their boys they like him i never watched grace under fire he was good in treme even though it was, I oh hudsucker proxy I that was... oh jesus christ i got to watch that again it's been way too long blues brothers right 2000 oof <laughs> <laughs> the movie we <laughs> shan't speak of whoopsie yeah, I don't I almost feel like I kind of caught that Goodman's really good late bug. And I just I can't really peg it on a specific performance. I just one day said, "God damn, man, he's fucking great." He's really good. Was it Lebowski? It must have been Lebowski. Yeah. It it must have been Lebowski, dude, cuz he was good and so funny. Dude, by the way, I don't think you you haven't seen Ten Cloverfield Lane yet, have you? Yes. The one with him? did? The one with him. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, dude. He's fucking great. Fantastic. That movie, it's one of those, ah, that's a, I'm going to do it all more. God, he's done so much work. Oh my God, dude. Hell yeah. That movie's worth it just for him. It's not an amazing
0: movie, but he is (coughs) I would agree with that. I think it's worth it just to see him. Yeah, he's great. Awesome.
1: We are uh, Goodman fans. He's a good
0: man. Yeah, I hear, my Uncle Mike said that, that he's in that movie, which isn't particularly good with Wahlberg, The Gambler or some shit. Oh, I have not seen that. <laughs> and uh, he's a bad guy and he's just like, you know, kill your whole family. He does he has one of those he gets his moment to do that bad guy speech that everyone's done from Chris Walken to fucking you know what I mean? <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, exactly. He's had he's got he got a chance to do that speech I guess in that film. Ah, uh, well now I want to see it. Shit. But I don't know if it's worth it beyond that. I couldn't tell you. <laughs>
1: Sounds like I'm YouTubing it.
0: <laughs> But uh, goddamn, Clooney's a good-looking man.
1: You're <laughs> <Son laughs> just bitch. fawning over him right now.
0: Yeah, just look at him. That classic fucking look, oh, dude. Totally. How is he not in yeah, every World War II movie that's come out since he's been around? Right? He's fucking like modern-day Clark Gable over here. Fucking bastard.
1: <laughs> the bastard he is.
0: But this and shit... he can
1: direct movies too that are good.
0: Yeah. Son of a bitch. So big Dan Teague. This is a great fuck man. Dude, you know what it
1: is, too? What I like about the, the interaction between Big Dan and these two is that it really does reveal how pure and good-hearted and naive they are. Like, they're criminals, they're prisoners, they ran away, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're actually just really sweet, naive. They're not bad. Big Dan is a bad dude. Oh, like, yeah. He is a actually bad guy, and he can see that these guys are rubes, <laughs> that he can fucking get one over. I mean... Dude, he fucking cracks Delmar in the face. And then
0: Everett's like, what's all that about? Like, he just sits on the ground Dude, like, huh? That shit was, I laughed out loud at, again, at Clooney's reaction. When they're it's out ridiculous. there in the picnic, and just the shit he says, like, the, you know, I generally refrain from speech during station. <laughs> the fucking dialogue. I found it vulgar. But yeah, man, I like, I just, this, again, beautiful shots out here too, them by the tree. I mean, oh, yeah. you, these guys make a picnic look beautiful.
1: Absolutely. Which I guess Every is day. the point, and did, but. And did you notice how they shoot uh, Goodman in the scene? It's always uh, from below. He looks so, so big. So him massive. Exactly. They make him look like
0: the giant, the giant cyclops. Already is massive, by the way. Already, yeah. <laughs> What's going on, Big Dan? After he fucking logs your friend in the face.
1: And then Delmar, I forgot. Delmar then dives on him and tries to attack him, and he gets hit like three more times. And Clooney's just like, "I don't get it, big dude."
0: He beats the like, brakes off
1: him. Stupid, are you, dude? <laughs> he's already kicking the shit out of your friend.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Throws Delmar so far. He's so he's gigantic, hard. man. He's a big boy, big scary dude. Just take your show cards. I remember watching Roseanne once. When I was a kid and realizing the power and ferocity of a big man who was still pretty young, who could move his own weight—totally, dude. Yeah, and, and the in the in the in that ridiculous underestimation people always do with big people, which is like, oh, they're so slow. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no. Nah. You don't know what you're talking about. Get his hands on you. You're pretty fucked. Yeah, and it's just the explosive power, you know. It's, it's Some people have fast twitch more than they have slow twitch, and I think Goodman's got some fast twitch muscle fiber because he's ex- fucking explosive. It was dumb. It was like the kids were on the couch, and he just did, got into three-point stance. I'm trying to remember the episode. I, I don't really know Roseanne particularly well. And he just like bull charges the couch and rocks it up into the air and he picks it up. I was like, Jesus Christ. It just looked so effortless for him. You know what I mean? And just the way he throws these guys around, is like they're children in his hands, you know? (laughs)
1: Right. I mean they are dumb children. They had no idea they were getting robbed until after they'd been yeah, robbed. Yeah, yeah,
0: fair enough, right? Fucking idiots.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sweet and then he just crushes that frog. That's cruel. You no know, these shit. things will give you warts. Oh, it's
0: so fucking cruel. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Just slings it against the tree. Damn! Oh, dude. By the way, real quick, uh, before we go too far past it, we missed another great little scene in the restaurant of the governor. Oh my god, it's so good! good Just the way he berates these idiots. Oh man, we need a goddamn shot in the arm.
0: (laughs) Hey, so uh, uh, William McClan, William McClanahan from the Clan McClanahan. It's fun to say what? William McClanahan of the Clan McClanahan. <laughs> There's so many clans in that. Uh, oh, wait. There's three clans in that, so definitely watch yourself, William. You're on a watch list. But no, in all seriousness, um, Thanksgiving episode of Roseanne, he says. Oh, okay. Crazy that he knows <laughs> so that.
1: That's the one where he throws his kids on a couch out the fucking window. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy
0: Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't remember the details. I remember if everyone was on the couch. I just remember him rocking that couch. It was cool. Um, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. It's been so long. Now i got to see if I can find it. <laughs> it's going to haunt you. It's going to haunt me. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to look for this now, but I definitely want to watch Dude, it. I'm still on for, this fucking scene.
1: Well, he's the reform candidate, daddy. Maybe we should get some of that reform.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's talk about I'm our boy. i incumbent. Let's talk about our boy getting whipped. Oof, fucking yeah, brutal. brutal. What's so Awesome about this moment. First of all, the cinematography is incredible. Everybody is surrounded in darkness with the occasional rip of lightning highlighting the woods they're in. What a, what a cinematic scene. And, dude, this
1: fucking dude emerging out of the darkness with the lightning behind him and his dog.
0: I mean, think about this. Oh. You're having the your back flesh rendered off with a bull whip, a whip. Oof. And Jeez. it's obviously horrifically painful, super dangerous. You can get infected and all this shit. But the true horror comes when our man emerges from the darkness. Totally, yeah. Like that's the, that the moment, the, that the moment. horror on Tutoro's face as this guy emerges from the darkness is so palpable. Mm-hmm. And also because of the news
1: he gives him, he's not there to like to to taunt him or say he's here to bring more pain. He's here to say your friends abandon you. They don't care about your pain. <laughs> Fucking brutal. You're on your own. You're alone out here. He's like just bringing him down further, destroying his morale. Yeah.
0: Sweet summer rain. He's <laughs> so
1: inscrutable. And he, just, oof, and he just says, okay. And they toss up the fucking noose
0: over the branch. Oof. Yeah. This is that really remarkable moment cinematically where the flames are darting around on his eyeglasses, those shades. Yeah. Fucking creepy, that man. That's so good.
1: <clears throat> and that's when Pete shouts out, God damn it, God forgive me. And yeah. that's when the dude's like, wait. Because he knows he's going to get the info out of him now. Yeah, man. Of
0: course. All right. And then we get almost like a a down moment, right? We get a little bit of a down moment where we have these men in the back of the truck thinking about, of course, maybe he is dead. Maybe, but... but, (laughs) maybe it's for the best he was squished barely sentient being that's right that's the best man he's trying to make it sound like not so bad
1: Dude, I love how he's trying to perk them both up like he's trying to like raise their spirits but he's really only talking about himself he's like once we get a little smell in our hair we're gonna feel 100% better about
0: ourselves so, <laughs> so like, you mean you once you get smell in your <laughs> hair um, and they see Pete on a chain gang and of course everyone wonders yeah of course right <laughs> Can't help but not business. think of uh, God damn Cool Hand Luke The chain gang The oh, boss yeah. man on the horse With the shotgun Oh yeah Fucking chain gangs And the fucking Unrelenting sun Yeah dude. Down south dude Damn Brutal The humidity down there Will get you, you I'll say I'll say The humidity will Don't let yourself weather. Get too humid Down there in the, Down there In the sticks boy Keep yourself away from the bayou. Need me a nice,
1: sweaty ice glass of sweet tea. <laughs> ah, hell yeah, dude. Uh, I have one of my it.
0: house servants, poet for me. You imagine what color he is. <laughs> I ain't gonna say. You just have to imagine. I don't want to say. I want you to think about it just for two seconds, if I may. Because I say, I say, boy. <laughs> well, anyway. To, uh... What the fuck I'm talking about?
1: To old Homer Stokes freak show and campaign rally? <laughs> <laughs> ah, the good old days. Mm.
0: Now we're going to get a girl out here who got her arms torn off in a thrush. Ain't she funny? <laughs> <laughs> Look at this little man. This is quarter of a man standing next to me with a mini little broom, Some bitch. Tell me that ain't entertaining. Tell me that ain't a little man you can trust. Uh, uh,
1: I mean, look here, look at this little broom in my hand. That's a
0: normal man-sized broom. Look at that little broom he got there, a little tiny broom. That looks like a goddamn broom my sister's kids would play with. Well, goddamn, what I'm trying to say here to you, all my beautiful, I don't think I see one colored feller out there, all my beautiful white faces that came to my rally, Homer Stokes for governing now. Can you say it with me? Pay no attention to my Confederate flag to my left.
1: Oh, If I don't know how to
0: entertain, then I don't know what else to do than to present a small man with a small broom. Some people would have the gall to stand up before you good, beautiful white people and say, It's about heritage, not hate. No, sir. It's about hate, not heritage. I say, God damn the naysayers. Can I get a hallelujah? I got
1: a powerful boner for hate. Ooh, it's a throbbing boner full of hatred.
0: Just yesterday, let's bring it down. Just yesterday, my wife said to me, she said, Honey, she said, future Governor Stokes, tell me, how am I going to iron up your beautiful clan robe with this small little ironing board I got in the house? And I said, Honey, don't you worry, because the people are going to write the make choice. Can I get an amen? The people are going to make the smart choice. And I tell you right now, under the eyes of God and his holy kingdom, we are going to get... Me into the office, and then I am gonna get a couple of gentlemen, probably not white, to make me a goddamn ironing boy for my beautiful clan robes.
1: And until election day, well, I say also that we should leave the tiny person's house. I don't know why we're trying to use their tiny person things for our normal size Klux clan robes.
0: I said to my short little diminutive friend here, goddamn, looks like he's an imp right out of Revelations. I said <laughs> I said, little man. Use a big person's broom. It'll go much quicker when you're sweeping up my kitchen for me later. (laughs) Can't trust dwarfs, little imps they are. Always running off with my gold, they are. (laughs) Is this our only candidate? (laughs) (laughs) Is there anyone else? Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. (laughs) Holy shit, this guy's (laughs) terrible.
1: Remember, remember Homer (laughs) Stokes, and remember
0: the tiny broom. Papa, what's this robe under the bed? (laughs) Uh, Pay no (laughs) attention to that little girl. Pay no attention to that little girl. You're going to get the back of my hand. I'll give you a whooping. Because the Bible says I can correct a woman, even one as little as you, with the back of my hand. (laughs) May God never
1: let our honorable, venerable culture change at all.
0: (laughs) Uh, Change fuck. is threatening and terrifying. I say, we just <laughs> avoid it at all costs. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Damn down with the technocracy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Cam trails, I do say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Bravo, you're going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> so are these Clooney's kids? Let's talk about his kids. Oh,
1: fuck. Um, that was a fun little actually, rant, by the way. That was a good time. What's up? <laughs>
0: our Homer Stokes Do you think rant? the listeners know we're not joking about those sensibilities?
1: I would hope they realize with our insane, ridiculous voices.
0: That we're not joking? That, that, I would hope that they those think.
1: portions are deadly serious, and that's exactly
0: our viewpoint. because I don't want to make it so comedic <laughs> as to appear ironic. I want people to understand the message of LSG Media, you know? <laughs> Indeed. Which is one okay, of of misogyny and racism,
1: exactly.
0: At least that's what Just, I've been told on the recent BSG review or something.
1: <laughs> Unbridled <laughs> racism and sexism. Yeah, it's it's the coal to our fire. It is. It's true. <laughs> yes. As you can tell. Well, these little kids. Dude, I'm could I could be wrong on this. I actually think that these are the the uh, Paisley Paisley girls. Um, because I, I was watching an interview with them and they were talking about at the time of the movie, they were five, seven, who are nine, they? I think, uh, the girls who are singing some of the songs on the soundtrack. Oh, right. I on. think it's actually the, cl- I think it's actually the closing song in the movie too. They sing. Um, but I, th- I think these are the actual three of them. I could be wrong on that. I'm not a hundred percent.
0: Do you want their names? Would that help?
1: Um, if, Hey, if it's Beasley, Georgia <laughs> Ray
0: Rayner, Lindsay Miller, Mariana Breland.
1: it might be off then. <laughs> Oops. <laughs>
0: Sorry, man. I don't know if that tanks well, it. I don't know so what you're miss. talking about, to be honest with you, until you started saying it. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> it's a cool fact. That's not true. <laughs> not true. Well, um, he was hit by a train. I wasn't hit by a train. This shit with these, these kids are adorable. He's bonafide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's like my favorite thing. I want to start saying bonafide now. bona hey, bonafide. Got a gym. Mama checked it. He got a new bow. You guys thought you invented bow? Get the fuck out of here. That shit's been around forever. <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I am the damn paterfamilias. Yeah. I had to look it up. I'm not lying. <laughs> well, that's when he goes he off to
1: find his wife.
0: Confronts the wife. Yeah, you know, I didn't get hip. She said, I just forced you for shame because you're, cro- you're a crook.
1: <laughs> and how many
0: fucking kids does he have? Is it eight? I
1: think yeah, eight they, they didn't do rubbers back then, dude. They just never, and never pulled out either. No. They didn't know about nah. that. Nah.
0: <laughs> they not know about that.
1: Only with the powers of modern technology the internet did we, did we finally understand. You could just pull it out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, I'm really in the mood to fuck, but gosh darn, I don't want another kid.
0: Oh, well. Just put your <laughs> Jesus milk on my stomach, Everett. <laughs> That's a sin. That's, That's what Daddy's friends used to do. Oh my God!
1: <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ! Geez. Can we
0: get you some counseling?
1: <laughs>
0: Fuck. <laughs> By the way, this guy uh, Ray McKinnon as Waldrip, He's in uh, oh, Deadwood, yeah. oh, and he's okay. like a, he plays a preacher in Deadwood, and uh, nice. like they kill him or something. Okay. They put him out of his misery because he has like bad seizures, and like oh, we'll just strangle him, I guess. <laughs> it's so fucked <laughs> him, up. Fuck it. Oh man. <laughs> Also, I love kind of love that Clooney gets beat up by this nerd. Totally, because to- he's not a fighter, so man. Funny, dude.
1: Oh, it's like putting his fucking Dukes up old-fashioned British boxer way. Oh, it's <laughs> so good. <laughs> and this guy just
0: completely hands his ass to him. Yeah, and he and they both fight like fucking chuckleheads. Although the guy can move, he's got a what? He's way taller than Clooney. He is freakishly way tall, tall Waltrip. <laughs> <clears throat> knocks him out, and gets thrown out. <laughs> I like that he's in a Woolworth. <laughs> Had you ever been you into never a Woolworth? The Woolworth? There was a when I was a little kid, there was a Woolworth in the mall in this town I lived in. In uh, I used to remember I remember going to Woolworth. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Wow. I've never I've never seen one. I think Someday people will be saying existence. that about Sears, dude, as they slowly but surely yeah. fold. Isn't that weird? And they've been did around they since forever. Sears roebuck.
1: Yeah. That's wild. True. But, dude, his wife is still so about him, like oh, she's yeah. not admitting it, yeah, well I mean, but she's so for the charmer so so loves his fucking sense of humor, his fucking charm. she's absolutely there for
0: it, but mm-hmm. you know she tells it to him, he's got a job, he's got prospects, he's bona fide. What are you, Caitlin Colmar, why does he sniff him menacingly? <laughs> Oh, uh, that's a fucking great question. It's the it's the uh, you've been using my hair product. He wonders that's he wonders if he's been using his Dapper Dan. Basically, that's so true. That's the ultimate betrayal. Your hair like, treatment you might be sh- you
1: might be stooping my wife, but you better not be sticking your thumbs in my can of it, Dapper Dan. Isn't that such a wild fucking idea? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. That's his character, though. He's such he's pure vanity in so many ways.
0: But. There is but but there's part of that I actually understand as fucked up as this sounds, and that's no no for for, for real because no, I because he's because she 's complicit, he 's not raping her, presumably right, so she 's complicit right. in it, which means your feelings immediately are going to shift for her and into the thing that is sort of innocently purely your thing, right, like I get right. it from a monkey like, hierarchical level of, of just alpha status shit. Like, I get why he would be that way. Do you know what it reminds me of? What? Fucking heat. You can fuck my wife, oh. but you ain't watching my motherfucking TV. That's Remember? That's so true, That's exactly dude. Oh what this God. is. It's so it's exactly true. exactly what it is. Yeah, but, dude, imagine going to your house, your wife's, you, like... You know, whatever you you're, you're, you're divorced or, you're whatever, or yeah. going through it, and this guy's like right. on your computer. Fuck you! No like, way! No way! No, that, no I get way. it. I get it. And yeah. we know that the recurring theme in this is the dapper Dan. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. So, Caitlin, there is a, uh, there's our uh, monkey brain fucking perspective. Hopefully that helps you. Our chimpanzee fucking interpretation <laughs> our of this shit. Of
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just angry about our things being touched by
0: others. Yeah. Oh, you use my dapper Dan. I'm going to bite your nose off and rip your dick off. That's going to, that's happening. <laughs> I'm going to eat pick your up fingers. And I'm going to cave your fucking, fucking head femur in. Femur bone. <laughs> yes, exactly. Femur bone and cave your face in with it. I'm going to destroy your face because that makes me feel more superior. Like I have destroyed your very identity. That matters to me. <laughs> <laughs> the jawbone of an ox. This isn't like a martial arts fight. This is like I'm going to annihilate your face with, with an object and chew off your fingers and take your dick with me. It's kind of weird. <laughs> On a necklace. Dude, he only used your hair down.
1: That's not the fucking point! (laughs) Can you take it off while you're around us at least? (laughs) Dude, you don't have to wear
0: his dick around your neck. It's
1: weird. It's shriveling up, too. It's like a blackened raisin. It's covered
0: in flies, man. (laughs) Get it out of here. While he's just
1: fucking staring into a fire, combing Dapper Dan into his hair. And that's just where a he is. Shriveled, the, severed dick. Dude, his
0: at the end of the story, he's sitting at a fire totally alone. Totally alone. Everyone in his life has left him because he can't let it go right
1: oh my god the S- darkest ending for this fucking movie dude, ever dude
0: he's just sitting there with a the dick around his neck and he's just
1: and, and, and <laughs> the camera's just zooming out on him sitting and fading away fucking yeah just pull just combing Dapper dance into his hair and we can just hear him whispering damn I'm in a
0: tight spot <laughs> I, I like it i like the i like it. i definitely uh, like the combing he could just, i just see him being like it's the principal it's a goddamn principal <laughs> <of> the thing <laughs> oh my
1: god <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's the principle. It's the principle of the thing.
1: Oh, fuck.
0: So they go to the theater. Should we just jump to that?
1: Truly, he would be a man of constant sorrow if that were to, <laughs> the point. Be a little more accurate. I wear cocks around my neck.
0: Um, <laughs> the movie theater? Wear
1: the cocks of enemies around his neck.
0: <laughs> so stupid. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, I love. He's just spewing the the there to bedevil men. Women are evil. All this shit. He's really Not feeling it, Del Mar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> bedevil the days of man.
0: Obviously, he still loves her very much. Otherwise, he wouldn't be oh, talking about her so much. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Cool cinematic stuff with the lights going off and just the beams of light from the doors as the the chain gang bosses come in. I love that we don't see their faces really ever. Yes,
1: dude, this is one of my favorite shots of when so when the chain cool. gang boss comes in, you can see the light, you know, hitting the tops of the auditorium seats and he's just standing there silhouetted. And I also love how great a job this movie did. This is something I only picked up on this viewing of Making us feel like they, it puts us in their shoes of like they're constantly pursued. They're constantly having to look over their shoulder. Even when people, you know, these guys aren't after them. Like they're not sure. in trouble right here. But they're constantly on the edge and on the verge of like, oh, these, this could be the guys who are after us. We might have to fucking run. Like they, they feel so like doggedly
0: hunted right now. It's yep. a great, great moment of that. Pretty cool. Um, I like how they're fixing to ambush you, right? Pete's warning them here. That's it. I
1: told him where it was. I spilled my guts.
0: Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> Probably my favorite part of this is um, the fact that I see at least two black guys in the theater, and the white guys are doing all the talking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as they do. Now you know it's fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's yelling. Come on, What? <laughs> they telling me the white guys are talking in the theater and the black guys are. I don't believe it. Oh, shit. I will yeah, say, yeah, another- I do a lot of fucking talking, especially if it's something I've seen and I like it a lot. I do that shit all. I'm like, oh, this fucking part shit, <laughs> this shit rules. I'm one of those, like, I get moved in the theater assholes.
1: You're the yakety yaks. Yeah, people stand up in front of you.
0: <sighs> like, just, like, I, I, I swear, like, there are times where I'm just like, yes. Like if somebody gets wasted, he's like yes, <laughs> the fucking kid gets me. run over with a car Yes No or just like you know the enemy or something crazy happens. Oh, I remember watching cool. Dunkirk and many times we've been like, "Jesus!" But the movie's so loud I don't think anyone could hear me. True, true. that's a movie that's a movie you can get buck at because I mean it's pretty <laughs> damn loud. It's pretty amazing though when you're in a movie theater watching a horror movie and somebody's like, "Oh don't go in there." That shit fucking makes me laugh, man. I love it. I love yeah, I interactive theater. As long as it's not like a dramatic thing and they're running their fucking yaps. Anybody right. by that is what I'm saying, right?
1: It's like, like some like fucking tense family drama about like a oh, daughter's like yes. drug addiction.
0: They're like, ah, she better not do them drugs. <laughs> like, are you seriously answering your phone? Yeah, exactly. You don't want that shit, right? Oh, oh damn, fun. man. Do the chemo. Like... That it doesn't work quite the same It's gonna those. suck. <laughs> it, does it doesn't work, work to the the fault in our stars Right. ruin right. for every fucking twelve year old girl You're crying. watching like fucking Philadelphia. Oh he got AIDS. Like, it's, uh, it's not the same. It doesn't have the same fun factor if you're watching like right. arachnophobia. Is, it's for comedies and horrors, ladies and gentlemen. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. A great moment in the theater though when when Delmar's like we thought you was a toad and then you can see Pete just like don't seek the treasure like i don't know what the fuck uh, you're talking uh, about but don't, don't seek the treasure amazing ah, it's fantastic yeah more great shit with the governor and his idiot son yeah on their dude this might be the most southern ass
0: scene in all Holy cinema shit. them sitting, sitting on, on, on wicker that? chairs oh
1: my god Fucking palatial mansion porch. (laughs) The fuck?
0: That plantation porch.
1: Sipping just straight bourbon out of rocks glasses. Oh,
0: so southern. So many light colors because of the heat. Mm hmm. Fucking linen, everything, everything. Yep. Look like a bunch of Johnny Come Latelys bragging on our own midget. (laughs) 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 Fuck man. Midget
1: and broom and whatnot. So good. I love these guys.
0: Well they break our man you out. Slump
1: shouldered sack of nuts. That's right.
0: <clears throat> and this is the uh reveal that I squealed, and oh, there is no treasure. Ah, yep. The one the moment of truth. Yep. Boy, the, the
1: Cohen brothers sure do love a good MacGuffin. They love it. Them and Tarantino. I can't get enough.
0: 1987, you ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, that is such a great moment from Pete, though, where he's like, "Well, you know, uh, it's actually is no treasure and everything." And he's like, "I had two weeks left of my sentence. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna get out in 1987. <laughs> I'm gonna be 84 years old. God damn! Like, God, that's so brutal. Now you're really gonna get
0: caught. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you think of this fucking?" Horrific, racist rendition of The Wizard of Oz.
1: <laughs> For real? <laughs>
0: that's exactly
1: what it, it is, It
0: though. is, dude. How cinematic is it, though? Oh,
1: it's amazing. I mean, them coming across it, them being in the foreground. Wow. While you see just this ocean of these fucking white-clad figures, all these Ku Klux Klan guys. So nuts, doing dude. Doing their weird-ass dance.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying, dude. Let the black guys it's- choreograph your fucking dumb dancing, and then you'll all get along. <laughs> Uh, it'd dang. probably look better too. It's pretty fucking Like silly. I said, it, the marching they have, they're good at marching. Yeah. Yep. You can stick to lines. <clears throat>
1: Let's
0: have a listen. Oh, this is the Won't dirge. You
2: buy me over till another year?
0: Fuck, creepy. Well, real. <laughs> <too>. right <laughs> that's what it reminds me of
1: so true though
0: fuck Dude, man what a great
1: the dirges are so to...
0: good in this song and in, in the music as well all the dirges they sing yeah like the death songs basically it. Exactly. There's a great mix of that kind of like
1: deathly, sad, you know, somber kind of old country music and also like the really light, hopeful, positive stuff, the sunshine songs. For sure. Uh, But dude, that's actually, to be honest, if I had one main quibble with modern country... It's that. It's that right there. Old country, old blues, and bluegrass, they're all fucking sad. A lot of them, like, they're, like, they're sad and honest, or, you know, or they're, they're happy about just being alive, and you got another day. And, like, modern country's all like, ah, I'm partying. Hey, you got beer. Hey, we got beer in a truck. Everything's fun. And I'm yep. like, fuck off. <laughs> Give me, I want the old country music of just drunk cowboys singing about shooting each other. That's, that's my <laughs> kind of country music.
0: <laughs> nice. Drunk, sad cowboys dying. That's awesome. Well, uh, this scene again. The cinematography is pretty incredible. It's it's shot very well. It's oh, it's so creepy. It feels so cultish. Oh, totally.
1: I mean, and especially some of these shots where the the uh, you know the main guy, the Grandmaster in the red robes, is like in the forefront while he's you know in front of all the rest of the crowd of white. Like he stands out like this fucking satanic leader. It's wild looking man. And, um, and sorry, dude, what, what were you great- going to say? I was going to say, what a fucking great twist, too. Something I've forgotten. And it's not like I was watching this movie thinking that the governor was in the KKK, but it's kind of a surprise that the reform candidate, like, looks like, ah, he's like the, you know, away with the old ways and in with the new. And he's the fucking Ku Klux Klan guy. You're like, oh, shit. (laughs) That's your reform? Mm -hmm. More KKK?
0: Jesus. Yep. Isn't that the way it was back in the day? I mean, pretty, back in these days, Yeah,
1: it is true.
0: Well, the, um, this shit here, you know, it's funny. There's a, um, you know how he says, the papists, he includes them in. Yes. Essentially, everybody, not them, right? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Dude, that's, that's something we, we have forgotten, how Dude. hard they used to hate Catholics back then. Dude, my grandfather experienced that big time. Isn't that fucking funny? It's so weird. Right. Dude, there, were, there used to be a whole bunch. I think it was the John Birch
1: Society or the Heritage Foundation. There used to be all these anti-JFK pamphlets they were given out in 1963, and they were mostly focusing on how he bows to the pope. You can't trust him, a Catholic president. It'll be the undoing of everything. It's so fucking
0: funny to read now. Oh, my God. Yeah, my, so um, my, my grandfather experienced it quite a bit when he was in the military, which is pretty crazy. Funny. That's yeah. Weird. They called him a basically they they were they they would call him a not only is <laughs> this is what he said they would say not only is Martin a dirty dirty yankee but he's a goddamn catholic like that's the shit he would hear all the time <laughs> like that is so Jeez. crazy I remember him telling me when he was still alive he would tell me about that I was like that is so nuts you don't think about that shit no that's so weird, right? Like, what a weird thing. We've forgotten thing. so much <laughs> the shit we used to be mad about. It's <laughs> so wild, dude. Now we're mad about new dumb shit. It's funny, right? <laughs> oh, fuck. I love the way, so, don't let that flag touch the ground.
1: Oh, my God. That's so fa- Like, I love how it's their own, like, weird symbolic van. It's all vanity over a fucking symbol that all the flags. Yeah, that's a thing with the American crushed. flag, too, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the the old stars and bars, can't let that touch the
0: ground. I'm not going to lie. I actually laughed out loud when the horse turns its head and has a KKK thing on its fucking face. A (laughs) KKK horse, dude. Hilarious. Dude, that's
1: real, though. They do that. (laughs) No, no, I
0: know. But when I saw it, I was like, what the fuck? It has the letters KKK on its head? You ding-dongs. It looks so stupid. (laughs) Hey, this horse signed
1: up willingly. It knew what it was getting into.
0: Yep, yep. Heavy (laughs) focus of the use of Confederate battle flag at the KKK rally. However, the association of the KKK uh, with the rebel flag grew out of the civil rights conflict of the 60s. Uh, During the 20s and 30s, the peak of the KKK membership, only the U.S. flag was represented at KKK rallies, even in Mississippi. So a bit of a historical inaccuracy there. Right, right. Pretty wild, huh? But dude, don't you love when they uh
1: John you know Goodman's character, Big Dan, fucking sees, you know, smells the pomade and we can tell it's him, yanks their hoods off, and then they're like, the color gods colored. (laughs) 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 They think these dudes is it just because they're dirty? Like
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. Who knows? I guess so. It's so weird. Not pure Lily White. But dude, well, he yeah, call, they they call, call he's fucking, calling them basically half breeds later in the
1: film, right? Do they? I missed that. Oh yeah, I guess he does when he when he is at the the
0: show and grabs the mic. You know what's kind of cool about the scene that it wasn't obvious at first, but what? he rips the hoods off of well, not not Delmar, right? He rips Oh I guess so. Does he rip Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't rip the third hood off right away. He rips the first two. <clears throat> That's true. Yeah, he gets the first two. And Delmar's in the middle and he leaves his on. Right. Until it comes off and it's the chaos and all that shit. But Cross falls down. They manage to get away, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, they cut it with the bolt cutters. All these fucking (laughs) dummies with their stupid clothes. (laughs) I guess that's the end of the Cyclops, by the way. Oh yeah, and that's that's such a great moment
1: of like when he catches the flag, and they're all like, "Oh, they actually like applaud, like, wow, what a badass!" He caught the flag, <laughs> and then
0: they look up, and the fucking cross is just coming down on him. Nothing Crushes could be it. more ironic, or or oh, more God, m- more filled with poetic justice than a bunch of fucking ding dong KKK guys getting killed by their own falling cross, <laughs> <laughs> their own fire. That's funny shit, dude. Uh. Dude,
1: just a quick plug for Red Dead. You come across the KKK in that game, and that happens to them in there too, where they accidentally crush themselves with their own fucking cross. Oh
0: no, shit! Oh, I wonder if so it's a shout out
1: funny. to this movie. It might actually be because it kind of—it's like they're trying to raise it, and they all just like it topples and like crushes two of them. While the while the Grandmaster is <clears> like, ah, oh, shit.
0: According to my uh, my X-ray, the real W. E. Pappy O'Daniel had no presence in the politics of Mississippi. He was a Texas flower salesman who became a, radio, a regional radio personality then used that as a platform to launch himself into Texas politics, becoming governor, then senator. Pretty wild. Damn. Yep. Boy, politics was different in them days. Yeah. Um, in, in, um, in ni- until 1975, incumbent governors were not allowed to run for reelection. Hmm. Huh, shit. Yep. Imagine mm. that.
2: No That's one a says old no to
0: legend. Papio Daniel <laughs> They're going to this thing
1: <laughs> This is where Fucking Everett wants to get his wife back We're gonna get out of here We're gonna yep. make our way back
0: Awesome man This is good shit How come you leading this outfit <laughs> Back to that again I made some tactical mistakes But if you just stick with me I got a plan Believe me boys We can fix this thing And I can get my wife back which we should probably talk about just from a structural standpoint. That's really his goal here, not the money. Always was. Totally. Totally. Yeah, He just wants to be there for his kids and with his wife. <clears throat> <laughs> and uh, they get the beards on and they go out and they do the, the Jailhouse Blues, right? By the way, this is the only one of the cast members whose voice makes it into singing. It's That's Tim it. Blake Nelson. Yeah. yeah, he's actually singing this. Right. He's actually on the, uh, the
1: actual soundtrack album, too, singing this.
0: Cool he's got a voice it's awesome and uh, you know he's still talking to the wife it's funny and then of course the the um, the song comes up dude this is it this, this is
1: hot sh- damn it's the song about him boys
0: this shit's so awesome it's I been, love I love this is this is that moment where Clooney realizes what's happened and it's so kick ass cause you can see it on his face here let's have a listen but just watch his face when you go back to watch this movie. I am the man and of course, he goes on to sing it. It's fucking awesome. But there's that moment where he looks out over the crowd and he goes, wait a minute. What happened? Like they, it's not it like says everything. Giving them- you know, it's it's totally. such an important shot to see him getting- with that look on his face. Like what on earth? He he's he's almost perplexed by right? by the by Shocked. the um, ovation, by the reception, so to speak like he's not they're not getting a
1: polite like a polite kind of applause like this is like everybody is on their fucking feet
0: for this treating them like total rock stars right exactly like total rock stars he has no idea (laughs) and they sing the number and it kicks ass it's fucking that's when he starts his fucking dancing because he's like right, they they want it now hungry for it (laughs) now you're gonna get it motherfuckers yeah the dancing is great oh so good we're fucking dance moves, doing the fucking crazy chicken moves. Everyone's screeching, and all the girls are like,
1: I want to fuck the overalls guy. <laughs> Come on, with your old beard. <laughs> hey, the first easy top, man.
0: Yeah, no shit,
1: right? Pretty awesome. <laughs> and dude, I, I love the utter confidence that Homer Stokes oh. has in taking the mic. Surely, they'll all be on my side
0: of this. I actually Surely. really love this. This is great. It's, it's perfect, now that we know about him, exactly, exactly. right, exactly. it's we know perfect. Who he really is. Obviously, when you go into the middle of the woods and he's surrounded by fucking seventy-five to a hundred KKK members, you 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 don't really have a chance <laughs> to get at him. <laughs> so now you get to expose him, and he just he 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 tries and fails hard here. He tries to. Demean this guy and then that fucking snake. I'm glad they killed him in Deadwood. That snake waldrop says they're criminals. <laughs> Fuck you, you little bitch. By the way, the way Whoa. he does that, such bitch status. Turns back looking at Everett like hmm I he trod. looks like such a piss a bitch.
1: So, bitch. No, one of my my favorite thing about this scene in this moment, or like how he's trying to turn the crowd and he's like totally unable. Like it's it's such a perfect rebuttal of even the idea of racism in a way of like he's like God, ah, this music's got to stop. They're not white, and everybody's like we're enjoying this music. Why exactly? Do we, who cares? Who gives a shit? Like what are you talking about? Like we're all having fun. This is fantastic. Yeah, and he's like, awesome. well, we're not allowed to have fun because miscegenation. They've been mixing with the races. <laughs> and they're, they're all just like fuck <laughs> off. And <laughs> they literally get a
0: rail and run him out of town on it. Yep. Ah,
1: it's so good.
0: And he's like, well, that Negro sold his soul to the devil. And you're like, uh-oh. And they're like, nah, it's fine. He seems nice. They like him. Well, he's playing guitar like hell, so we don't care. <laughs> it sounds like a good deal. Oh, oh he's playing the guitar Screw like he's going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bastard. All fast. <laughs> what a horrible sequel. <laughs> Fucking Tommy Johnson just being tortured for eternity is the second movie.
1: He's like, fuck, it wasn't worth it.
0: <laughs> they start pelting our boy with the food.
1: Thank God. Dude, man, I want that to come back into culture again. That yeah. if, if, a, if a show, a live show is disappointing, break out the tomatoes. Let's start pelting them. Like the, I will show you my disappointment now. Wow. I will show you that I am not a fan of this, sir. Uh, Get so, me my
0: filthy old rotten tomatoes. Easy for you to say as a podcaster. It'd be funny, yeah, exactly. you open your door to go to work, a tomato hits you in the face.
1: <laughs> you suck at your job, and I'm like, fuck.
0: Oh, brother, pod was shit. <laughs> fucking tomato in your face. <laughs> I mean, those days are coming. <laughs> it's probably going to happen. It's gonna start so that's happening. actually 100% going to happen. <laughs> By the way, it come on. Tell me you don't love Pappy's fucking dance moves. <laughs> he's Dude. adorable. He's, he's great, and
1: he is such a fucking politician. He's here. such a like, ham. Oh, man, he comes onto stage and he's like, these boys are going to be my brain trust. Ain't that right, boys? <laughs> like, knows that he's got them by the balls and at the same time, just surfing the wave of popularity that they've got. Like, so politician. Yeah, pardons them all, which is awesome. Fantastic. I mean, so again, deus ex machina as fuck. Like it comes out, the governor just descends upon the stage, pardons you all at once. Everybody's applauding them. Uh, everything's going to be okay. All is forgiven. And you're also rock stars. Like what a just out of nowhere thing. But it's cool that instead we got to see that slowly building in the world behind them. Like they were just,
0: it's just unbeknownst to
1: them. Yeah. Big
0: celebration, man. clapping and all this shit. But we still have, uh, we still have to reconcile something, don't we? Oh, indeed. We see uh, Babyface getting let off to his execution, the electric chair. He's pumped about it. <laughs> Having a fucking blast about it, too. <laughs> <And> Spark's <laughs> going
1: to shoot out of my head. <laughs> Lightning coming out of my fingertips. I'm George Nelson.
0: Yep. Another awesome dirge moment, like the KKK scene one, is uh, this year.
1: <laughs> oh, you know what? Real quick, though, before we go by it, uh, Everett does make up with Penny here. He does kind of make up with her. She wants to get back together. And that's why he's he brings... coming here to get the ring, right? Exactly. The roll, that's the roll I, desk
0: or the roll top desk or whatever.
1: That's it. And I love how that's in truth the real treasure that's at the house that he's looking for. He knows that ring is there. That's the actual treasure he's been seeking, the, the way to get back together with his wife. There you Good. go. Awesome. But But it looks pretty bad when they first get there three dudes just digging your graves for you yeah dude not great not great pretty wild and also think about truth like they can absolutely get away with these extra jud- judicial killings because this place is going to be flooded nobody's going to find those graves yep like, they, they know they got pardoned I bet these guys are all
0: aware that they got pardoned they're just like we don't give a shit
1: <laughs> we yep. just don't care
0: well because he doesn't answer the law man he answers to a higher power the devil Mm-hmm. We ain't got no radio Dude
1: that's such a great lineup. <laughs> it went out over the radio I don't own no radio
0: Yeah And these dude, these fucking grave diggers Come on should we listen to these guys We're definitely getting kicked off of YouTube by the way <laughs> Let's do it though God. It ain't fit it ain't the law The law <laughs> Law is a human Ah, oh, that's so creepy. Great line. Awesome. Anyway, great scene. Great moment in this movie. Oh, yeah. The law is a human institution. And what a great direction by the Coen brothers to be like, look up at the sky when you do that. That's badass. <laughs> creepy bastard. That's fantastic.
1: He's so, like we were saying earlier, inscrutable. And the fact that we never see his eyes makes him all the more impossible to just understand at all. You don't yep. even know where this guy's from. It's not like he's. It's not like he was one of the boss guys on the horseback over the chain gang. He's, he doesn't even look like a cop. You're like, who the fuck is this guy? A marshal? Yep. Otherworldly. Very much so.
0: And then, of course, we have uh, the water rolling through and kind of saving them. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and even Everett
1: here drop. This is a big moment. He drops to his knees, asking for forgiveness, asking for. You know, to be reunited with his family and for, for Del Mar and for Pete to be okay. Like, finally kind of getting over his own vanity, asking for the safety of the people he cares about. And thus it is granted. Very good. Very cool. This is another sequence I always remembered. It was just like, holy shit, that <laughs> tidal wave it's that awesome. just fucking rolls down behind them, smashes the
0: entire house apart. Yeah, fucking dog in the water. I love when um, Everett surfaces. There's just Dapper Dans floating all around him. Dude, <laughs> Dude, that's such a great
1: moment of editing that you see all the Dapper Dans underwater, and then the first thing you see is all the cans popping up onto the top of the water, and then Everett f- out of all of them. Yep. <laughs>
0: they managed to grab onto a coffin that was probably meant for, well, 100% meant for them, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Like, Ever, that was a miracle. Everett talking about electricity and how the South will change, and then of course they finally start wondering about their boy.
1: <laughs> Dude, I love it. Oh, here, Tommy, Tommy, what are you riding there? <laughs> Roll top desk,
0: awesome. And then we fade to black, and we see uh, Everett with his wife, cleaned up, wearing white like everyone else, looking clean, mm-hmm. very nice. Family's back together again. <laughs> All's well that ends well, some poet said. <laughs> Find one little ring in the middle of all that water. And was one hell of a heroic task.
1: <laughs> because the ring he brought back is not the one she wanted, evidently. It's, oh, that's a different ring. It's not my ring. Right.
0: That's a, uh, <clears throat> oh, that's a reference to um, Theseus, right? Find a golden ring at the bottom of the ocean to prove oh, he was shit. the son of Poseidon. Oh, I did not know that one. I didn't either. Did not know that reference. Um, fade to black and white, dude. With the blinds here coming back through, awesome. Yeah, back
1: through as his daughter looks on at him and gets yanked away. Dude, I just going to black and white here. It's not yeah. just a, a, a shtick; like it really does. It turns into the what we recognize from the old past. It looks like the old black and white photos. Absolutely,
0: it's yep. so fucking cool. So awesome, dude! Ah, what a great
1: movie! Yeah, <laughs> 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 great. Yep. Listen
0: <laughs> uh, listener comments, on. buddy. Let's
1: do some. Let's get to him. You know, for, I, think, I think it's only appropriate that I go ahead and read my buddy Caleb's. He was one of the, the, like we said, one of the very first people who put this movie up for the Guild Bounty. So, Caleb Hartzell. Oh, Brother is such a sentimental movie for me for a number of reasons. It was my first Coen Brothers movie. It was set in the Deep South, which I've always been a sucker for. I started getting into bluegrass around the time this came out. The golden sepia washed out hue was so cool and unique to me. And in typical Coen Brothers fashion, the dialogue is relentlessly perfect. And I love all the little side dialogues. Pappy's yes men are hysterical. When Matthew told me this was being covered, I tried to think of some profound reason for why this is my pra- favorite movie ever, some deeper meaning which fundamentally changed my view of the world. But I don't know. It's hilarious. It's fun. The actors and characters are amazing and relatable. The scenery and imagery are gorgeous. As Patton Oswalt put it, I don't care where the things I love come from. I just know I love the things I love. There good shit. It.
0: There's a bunch of good comments this week, man. Totally. I'll start with We're Danielle out. Cutter. Danielle Cutter. Say it like Ned Stark from the North. Danielle Cotta. 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 Winter is coming. She says, the Cohen. <clears throat> sorry. The Cohen brothers are such chameleons when it comes to their films, from noir to comedy to westerns. They can take any genre and reform it so it's wholly original and wholly them. Oh, brother, where art thou is no exception. The Odyssey, cleverly disguises chain gang musical comedy... Who else but the Cohens could come up with something like that? The script is smart, the cinematography is gorgeous, the acting is stellar, and the music and score is truly remarkable. The music doesn't just add to the story, it tells the story, or helps tell the story. It's a musical that's approachable and so seamless that people who would normally turn their noses up at this type of film are tricked into loving it. This is one of my top five films of theirs, along with Raising Arizona, Big Lebowski, Inside Llewellyn Davis, and True Grit. We didn't talk about Inside Llewellyn Davis. I have not seen that one actually. And one of our favorite music soundtracks of all, one of my favorite music soundtracks of all time. Well, Danielle, that is quite the write-up there, my friend. Nice work. hmm Love it. I dude,
1: I have to read this one from Andrew Smith. This is so good. Andrew Smith. I was lucky enough to get to watch this for the first time in an empty movie theater and stoned out of my motherfucking mind. <laughs> it was one of the single greatest experiences of my life. Side note, Alison Krauss is a bluegrass badass. <clears throat> I, don't encourage, you know, I don't encourage illegal behavior, but do yourself a favor. Smoke a little bit of your kid's weed and, have, and watch this movie. <laughs> unless they're on the Tide Pods because you have more pressing matters. <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> Fantastic.
0: Another great comment from Monica. Uh, Monica Mitsagas Rock says, I have such fond memories of this film. I first saw it a long, long time ago in a world where renting a video was a magical, enlightening experience. Ah, to browse those dusty aisles again. I worked at Hollywood Video. Pause. I tried to work at Blockbuster a long time ago, Matthew. This is me editorializing. (laughs) And um, when I was younger, they said, you have to cut your hair to work here. (laughs) You said, fuck that, man. I'm not a part of your system. I did. I said, fuck you, bro. You don't control me. You're just the man, dude. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't take it. Uh-huh. Anyway, she continues saying, and It was one of our favorites because it was appropriate enough for us to play while customers were there. Oh, yeah, it's a good point. I've probably seen, really listened to, this film hundreds of times and it never gets old. Outstanding music, great direction, great performance, just an all-around great film. She's obviously very high on it. I love that. You know, it's funny. I have a similar experience uh, to her, sort of, when it comes to this idea of having movies playing. Because when I worked for Bose and we'd sell home theater systems, we would demonstrate sound using movie clips, and of course, those movie clips had to be <laughs> had to be family friendly, so to speak. Although I did push the uh, I did push the limit with that. So I understand <laughs> the certain movies were appropriate, certain movies were not, and you would land on certain ones more frequently than others because you'd have a good surround sound, and you'd be like, "Yeah, let's use this one." That's the one. Anybody else? All right. I got one more from uh,
1: Mark Stepanek. Nice. There are movies that benefit greatly on first watch where you have zero expectations or knowledge of, uh, of it other than it's a Coen Brothers movie. No plot summary or everyone telling you how great it is before you see it. This movie fits that description for me, and I was totally sucked in and loved it when I first saw it in the theaters when released. Now, if someone told me, hey, you gotta see this movie. It's got chain gangs, gangsters, floods, pomade, KKK, dim-witted people, and folk music. You'll love it. Actually, I might not have even given it a chance. There you go. Here we are. It wins over everyone.
0: <clears throat> All right. Well, there, man. Shit. What else you gotta Oprah, say about this before I? we go?
1: Ooh, I, I feel fairly fairly tapped on this man um i I still have plenty of gaps in my my Cohen brothers filmography that i gotta gotta fill in gotta see the rest of them uh but something i love about their comedies i think raising arizona kind of has some similar qualities of just almost like we've been saying like otherworldly or even like slightly magical Mm. in some weird way uh and them applying that kind of Surreal, slightly magical setting to this very, very, in a lot of ways, very true, very real, lived-in feeling. South of the thirties, it just works. Like it's, it's. You would never, at least for me, I would have never thought that those that that combination of aesthetics would work. That you have this old, like dusty, poor, dirt poor south, and then this sort of like fantastical almost mythical magical story of these prisoners fucking running away trying to get to a treasure that doesn't even exist and being miraculously saved by by bluegrass music and a tidal wave flood that's just fantastic it's yeah. it's just it's just over the top enough to kind of sweep away any of your you know, stuff that you might hold back on normally or be like, ah, oh, you know, I don't really, you know, this seems little unrealistic or silly. Like, you can suspend your disbelief. It has a kind of whimsy to it that just works, man. I, this movie was massive when it came out for a reason. Yeah. It holds up to the test of time. And for me, it's, for me personally,
0: it's up there for the Coen Brothers movies I've seen. It's, it's one of their classics. I love it. Dude, well said. One of the things I love about the Coen Brothers is that Despite what appears to be sort of gimmicks, the writing always comes first with these guys. It always seems to be at the forefront of what they're trying to accomplish. The writing is solid. The dialogue is great, interesting characters. And then, you know, the gimmicky part of it sort of surrounds it. And gimmicky is not even a great way to say it because it has a certain negative connotation. But I think you know what I'm trying to say. That yeah. their experimentation is awesome, but it never overrides good writing to me. Totally, yeah. Succinct writing,
1: man. Like Indeed. It's tight. It moves very, very well. There's no fat on this movie.
0: Well, this came Except out in, for
1: maybe that George Nelson scene. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, this came out in 2000. Oh, brother, where art thou? Thank you again to everyone who bountied this. Next time on the podcast, we're going to be jumping one year into the future from 2000 to 2001, and we're going back to David Lynch. It's been a while since we've done a David Lynch movie, and we're going to cover Mulholland Drive. Matthew, have you seen much of David Lynch? I've seen a decent amount of David Lynch, but I have never seen Mulholland Drive. Yeah, what have you seen by the man? I mean, we did—we've covered Dune. It's true. Um, I've seen. Let's see,
1: Eraserhead. Yep. Elephant Man. Yep. Uh, Blue Velvet. Yep.
0: Wild Firewalk at Heart. I me. saw. Oh, Wild
1: at Heart. I've seen that. I love
0: That's that. That's good. Cage um, shit, man.
1: That's great, Cage. Ah, it's mm, tasty, Cage. <laughs> uh, Lost Highway, fucking Bill Pullman with uh, Oof, with our girl, uh, great British soundtrack, Arquette. Ooh, yep. so good. Um, and I've, I did also see uh, what's that last one he made, Inland Empire.
0: Oh, I didn't see that.
1: Uh, which is like it, It's. Uh, I don't know if I'd recommend it, <laughs> actually. Huh. <laughs> but I
0: do like David Lynch. Thank awesome. You. Good shit. So Mulholland Drive coming at you next time on the podcast. We will be back to our regular recording day of Thursday, 10.45 p.m. Eastern Standard. So next Thursday, we will be recording that. Uh, it is, let's see, you're listening to this on the 4th of March, which means on the 7th of March, we'll be right back at it again discussing Mulholland Drive. So tune in, 10.45 p.m. at slash live. We'll see you then for the live show. Matthew, yeah, do no. me a favor, pal. Tell yeah. these Wunderbar people goodbye.
1: All of y'all do have yourselves a, a wonderful evening and remember the only the only way to keep clean in the eyes of the Lord is with a tiny midget and a tiny broom.